Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. And he rips one into center field. That had good wood on it. Hicks is going back. He's at the wall as she's gone. Randy Rosarena. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. These playoffs are a lesson for the Cardinals, guys. What's that lesson? That audio, courtesy of Turner Sports as Randy A., Randy Arozanarena, hits a homer against the Yankees yesterday. I know I butchered his last name. We're just going to power right through this, boys. It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch these playoffs when you have Luke Voigt on one side of things, batting cleanup for the damn team that has Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge in the lineup. And you got the other team where Randy A is, nope, no joke, the best player in the lineup for the Rays right now. <laughs> in a championship contender, Randy A is their best hitter right now. Batting third in the lineup for him. He finished yesterday three for four with a homer. All four of his batted balls, all four of them. You know the expected batting average that I love to cite? He had a really high expected batting average because all of them were hit at at least 100 miles an hour. So was it expected batting average or exit velocity? Both. Very high exit velocity, which typically leads (laughs) to a high expected batting average. Three of those hits, Jamie, came off of Garrett Cole. Who? The other one off of Chad Green, a really good reliever for the Yankees. This is what hurts when you're watching the playoffs because the Cardinals, it's very clear what they're missing. A Luke Voigt or a Randy A. One of the guys that's out there, uh, Marcel Ozuna. Tommy Pham. These other guys that are still playing. (laughs) Yeah. The guys that are still playing in the playoffs for other teams that the Cardinals either had on their roster already or could have had like Fernando Tatis Jr. And they willingly gave up the opportunity to have them in the middle of their lineup. You know what the Cardinals are becoming? This is what I used to do all the time as a young Blues fan. You'd watch the teams that are in the Stanley Cup final and be like, oh, there's a blue. There's a blue. There's a blue. Yeah, I remember those days. That's what the Cardinals are becoming. There's a Cardinal. There's a Cardinal. There's it last year. Max Scherzer. Ah, probably could have had that. They're the farm system for the rest of baseball. They don't know how to evaluate offense. I don't know why, but they do not know how to evaluate it. You guys it. really believe that? Yes. 
When I was mean, the last time they've had a, a prospect that's come up from the system that they've evaluated and said, this guy is a stud and he will be a stud? That actually came through. Dylan Carlson? Well, we're not there yet, but yes. Getting there. Yeah. I was a joke. Half joke. It's one. Meaning. <laughs> I just wanted to get on the scoreboard. <laughs> the problem is we can name it very clearly, and it's literally the guy that we saw over the last two weeks play well. Yeah. Like, two that's weeks. the issue, right? And so I will say this kind of to defend the Cardinals. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth oh, a little bit boy. here, and I here understand that. Welcome to the fence. Welcome to the BK show here. Um, <laughs> wow. Oh, he just wow. threw you to the curb. No, I'm wow. saying this is the bad I part of the show. Is. The good oh. part is the ribs and Ferrario. That's what come for the BK, stay for the ribs and Ferrario. Oh, easy with that one. <laughs> Defending the Cardinals, give it to me. The problem, <laughs> the problem is Randy A, right, who's been a superstar. The thing is, there's not a whole lot of guys that the Cardinals have let go that have become that. Like, Luke Voigt, nobody, I know we all crushed them for it. Nobody could have possibly I seen agree. this coming. It would have been impossible. And yeah. I will say this, I think the reason we saw so much of Tyler O'Neill this year is because of Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure they don't do that again. Because I think the Cardinals kind of view him and Lane Thomas as 4A players. The same way they viewed Luke Voigt. But then they gave up on Luke Voigt. The Yankees bring him in. He's got the short porch, and suddenly he becomes a superstar that's batting cleanup for a championship contender. And you still got Gallegos out of it, too. And that's the part that people need to remember. Like, the Voigt one stings, yes, because those 40 home runs would be awesome, but you got a closer out of it, which I think is important. Now, you got a lot of pitching, but you got something out of it, which... Randy Rosa. Well, I guess Randy, yeah, you got Libertor, who yeah. everyone's still talking about. Who could potentially be a star, mm-hmm. right, for the Cardinals? Or a big trade chip. Yeah. One of the two. The Randy Rosarina one, and NBK, you know, we were talking in the office. We had uh, our buddy, our teammate, Randy Carricker, in there with us talking baseball and hockey and everything else, sports. And I flat out said, like, why did they get rid of a Rosarina then? Because, like, I feel like that was quick. And... Whether we like it or not, whether it's true or not, we'll go with the conspiracy theory on this one. Tinfoil, you like this stuff? Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to, you guys said you thought it came down to the video that yep. leaked. Uh, I think the, it's part of it. The Mike Schilt thing, and, you know, I just... But that's a shame on a couple of different levels because, look, the whole world of young people make mistakes with, with social media and with cameras these days. Everybody's got a, a history of, like, I one got a, dumb I got a one. text from a buddy yesterday who I haven't talked to since I graduated high school. And so it's been 10 years now. I graduated in 2011. I literally haven't talked to this First guy. Off, are almost. you amazed he still had your phone number? Yes, I really <laughs> am. So the funny part is, and this is what I was kind of getting to, he was texting me about one of our other friends from high school who apparently tweeted something dumb at him 15 years ago or whatever, right? When we were still in high school, tweeted something dumb to this other guy. And he now, my buddy, who I haven't talked to in 10 years, is now a high school teacher. And his employer found the tweet Uh-oh. that he was tagged in. And he texted me to get the other guy's number. Oh, boy. He was like, hey, can you do me a huge favor? I need this guy, one of our other friends, to delete this tweet because it's something stupid and dumb. And it made sense in the context of the conversation. But you couldn't have it associated with my friend who is now or my old friend who is now a high school teacher. It's like, I need to get in touch with that guy. Do you still have his number? And so I had to get in touch with him. So, yeah, we've all made stupid mistakes on social media, which Randy A did last year. And that I do believe I'm with you. I think that's what led to I mean, his what other reason would departure? you have to do it? Really? Like the Cardinals would say because of the high hopes for a Tyler O'Neill and the high hopes for Harrison Bader and the high hopes for Lane Thomas, but okay, so they picked the wrong door then. Yeah. They picked the wrong door, yes. Again. Which comes to evaluating the offense, which they struggle with. But 
you can say it till you're blue in the face that you don't believe it, but it's part of it. And look, I don't even see why that should be part of it. It was a video that was leaked, and it wasn't it's a dumb move. Okay, You've but, been in the locker rooms, but for let's our, be you honest. Know how sacred some of those those speeches and those moments are. I understand that, but let's be honest here. It's not like it put the Cardinals in a situation that they had to have a press conference to defend themselves. Well, yeah, it they was did, a, actually. It was a speech Mike from Schilt Mike had to come and apologize the because next why? Day. He dropped a couple he, of f bombs. Hold on. He did come out and apologize. Yeah. That's he did it, not have to come out and apologize. He did his own the way. The vast majority of this fan base loved seeing that from Mike Schultz. But from the DeWitts and, and John Mosellock, I think he and, was forced to sure, come out and, and say something. Problem. So guess what? He had to say something. Randy A. ran into the same problem that Tommy Pham ran into. You're not matching the Cardinals way. And unfortunately, it's not going to work out here. When is the last time let's let's play a game here real quick. When is the last time the Cardinals had a superstar that didn't that stayed here a long time that didn't fit the mold wasn't the Cardinal way because, you know, like for Fernando Tatis Jr., he's a little out there. Like we talk about he's flashy, the back flip. There's certain things that he does. Every team has a guy like that. I'm trying to think it hasn't been in the last no. 20 years but that see, I can think that's of. That's my point is. And to your Maybe point, you could argue Lankford. But I don't. I mean, but he was. That, he matched like, the Cardinals' way pretty well. It's yeah. not like he was a Tommy Fame at like the time. Scott Spezio was a little bit out there at times, but he fell in line while he was here. Six seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. That's actually a really good question. When was the last time the Cardinals had an outspoken superstar that spoke his mind, and it did not matter if it was in line with what the vast majority of the fan base here in St. Louis agreed with? Fan? And that ended <laughs> up staying here for yeah. a long time. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know that there's a good one. 618 says Ozzie Smith, but I, I would disagree with that totally. Yeah, Ozzie, Ozzie was flashy Ozzie. and all these things, but he totally fell in line with the I'm company way. I'm going to say a name. He was outspoken towards the end of his career, Ozzie was, but, but still. Yeah. It's Ozzie's. been 50 years, though. Do you have to go back to Bob Gibson? Yeah, but I, I think Bob Gibson's the I one who set the standard. really well. Quiet, I just think intense. He, I think yeah. he. I think he stood up for people like himself at the time, but I don't think he was doing what Tommy Pham was yeah. doing. So we six five seven eight zero Air Comfort Service text line here. We're getting a few here. Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty. All right, and Carlos Martinez. I don't know. He's just kind of problematic. I don't know if he's fits the the. He's not he, outspoken, and he's not like flair. And he hasn't been here long enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's see. Talk to me in two or three years. You're if he's talking still like here. lifetime card. Like, Jack, gonna be a cardinal for the entirety of his career. Jack Flaherty should be here for the lifetime of his career. Uh, but Jack Flaherty also has put himself out there at times, and it's to be determined how long he'll stay a cardinal. And Chris Carpenter was a guy who went, I mean, he went against the grain like he was outspoken in the clubhouse when things were bad, but he wasn't a on social media talking bad That's about That's like a Yachty or Molina yeah. outspoken, <laughs> right? Like Yachty, Yachty kind of has some of this, yeah. some of what we're talking about. I mean, he publicly called out his previous manager. That's true. And in part, got his previous manager fired. Like uh, when you lose Yachty yeah, or Molina. Maybe Yachty was right and Yachty is the Cardinal way. Absolutely. You know oh, what I'm saying? I would defend that 100%. Yeah. Scott Rowland. I remember Scott Rowland. I actually got to know him a little bit. I don't see him no. as that guy. He was a quiet dude yeah. behind the scenes, man. Really quiet. Yeah, did he walked to the beat of his own drum a little bit, but it didn't disturb the people around him. Mm-hmm. Edmonds might be a good one. He wasn't like, ta- ah, he, he no. didn't talk out Jimmy's public, such a though. friendly guy that it's not that. Jimmy was flashy, you know, big jewelry is what we called him back he in the, the day. He was the Colton Long. Big, yeah. Yeah. 
So, kind of. Uh, well, Will Clark. <laughs> more active off the field. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember watching, no, probably not watching, but Will Clark definitely fits the mold. He was a, he was a guy that walked Was he to, here a long time? Um, I forget how long he was here. He was certainly a relevant player here in Cardinals history, and he had an edge to him. Yeah. For sure. So to put a fine point on this, the Cardinals have really struggled with internal evaluations. And it's going to be the key to the offseason, in my opinion. You got to be right this time around. Like, if you think that Dylan Carlson's going to be a star, he should be starting in left field on opening day next year or starting in center field on opening day next year. But that doesn't mean that it's enough. You then have to also evaluate what you have around him in this lineup. Look around at what we're seeing right now in the playoffs. Look at what these teams have in their lineups and compare it to what you have in yours. The Dodgers have Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger. The Braves have Acuna, Ozuna, Swanson, and Freeman. The Padres, Tatis, Machado, Myers, Hosmer. We can keep going. Astros have Springer, Brantley, Correa, Altuve, Bregman. These are big-time names on these teams that are real championship contenders. The Yankees, Judge, LeMahieu, Voigt, Stanton, Torres. I mean, all the teams that are really competing for a title, they don't just have a Goldschmidt. They don't just have a Dylan Carlson that's coming up through the ranks. They have those guys, and then they have guys that come in underneath them as well. And then look at the those names that you mentioned of how many of those players were drafted and evaluated and scouted that came up through the system rather than free agency or trading for them. You got to find them. I don't even care how they do it at this point. Like it can be through the system. It can be via trade, bring them in via free agency, whether it be in the international market. I don't care how you get them. So you're saying blow it up. I'm saying go get the guy. (laughs) With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 11.15. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. My Chiefs last night won a game in which they played like dog crap. And the team on the opposite side of the field last night, that's the team we actually learned something about. They're a real contender. I'll tell you about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Is it to Edelman who dropped? Oh, it's intercepted off of Edelman and picked by the Honey Badger. Pick six. Tyron Matthew pick six. Julian Edelman last year led the National Football League in drops. He's such a great receiver, but he lost concentration and the ball off his left arm right to the waiting Honey Badger who eats the snake and runs all the way to the end zone. Touchdown. Kansas City with a pick six. Oh, Mitch Holt, this is a treat. That audio courtesy of the Chiefs Radio Network. The Chiefs have gone without a touchdown in the opening half for only the third time in the Patrick Mahomes era. That happened last night against the New England Patriots. The other two instances, Jamie Rivers, week six, 2018, a loss to the Patriots. The other one, the 2018 AFC championship game against the Patriots. So all three times that the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback have failed to score a touchdown in the first half have come against Bill Belichick. Last night, the Chiefs won. And when you look at the final score, if you didn't watch the game, you'd be like, oh, that was a typical Chiefs game. They went up against a backup quarterback for the second time this year and blew out the opponent. This time it was the Patriots. That's not how the game went. The Patriots kept this thing close and they made the Chiefs work for every point that they scored in that game. And seven of those points came, as you just heard, off of a pick six because the Patriots got some of the worst quarterback play I have ever seen in my adult life. Jamie? 
I am here to tell you the team that if you don't want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year, you should be rooting for, and I know this sounds gross, (laughs) is the New England Patriots because they're the one that has the best chance to upset the Chiefs in the playoffs. They've got the defense. They've got the coach. And with Cam Newton, when he returns, they've got a quarterback that can do some things that really expose some of the weaknesses in the Chiefs defense. That's the team in the AFC as a Chiefs fan myself that I am the most concerned about. I am less worried about the the Ravens. I'm less worried about the Steelers. I'm less worried about the Bills. This is the team that concerns me. Yeah, and so to play into my conspiracy theory yesterday of Bill Belichick having somebody fudge the COVID test so Cam (laughs) Newton didn't have to play, this actually intensifies that again because what happened last night Bill Belichick got a first-hand look at how to screw things up for the Chiefs offense. And for the most part during the game, they did a really good job. Patrick Mahomes and those guys stepped up big time in the second half and had some big plays. But the quarterback situation, like Belichick put both guys in and both were awful. They were turnover machines. And in hindsight is always one thing or another. But if Cam Newton's playing last night, I think we maybe even have a different outcome in that game because it was really close. I think it comes. I don't know who wins. Like I'm saying it's up for grabs either way, but it it absolutely comes down to the last quarter. Like (laughs) whoever wins, it's going to be decided in the last few minutes because the the Patriots wouldn't have gone scoreless as long as they did in that game with Cam Newton as their quarterback. And the plays that that were the turnovers, the interceptions were plays that would have been avoided and possibly kept the Patriots moving forward up the field. Yeah. And I look at that, the, the interceptions, the, you know, the, the toss it up there and hope it gets to a guy, just awful play decision by the quarterbacks at the time. Like Jared Stidham was doing well. Then he just threw up a couple of hope passes, then some bad luck going through Edelman's hands. But at the end of the day, I think if Cam Newton is under center last night, like we got a real game, like folks, we got a game. That was the worst game that I've seen Patrick Mahomes play. In his entire career, he looked terrible last night. He was totally out of sorts. There were multiple interceptions that should have been thrown by Patrick Mahomes that were just flat out dropped by the Patriots. That's not going to happen most of the time when you go up against that secondary. He got lucky last night. And certainly our audience knows I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. I think he's great. He struggled against this Belichick defense. This scheme gives him some issues, and he even had an extra day or two to be able to really come up with his plan to go up against this defense. It didn't work. They struggled last night offensively. The part that gets me, which I think the opponents to the Chiefs are always going to have to be concerned about, is the second half. And I agree, Chiefs didn't look great last night, but the second half Chiefs are much different than the first half Chiefs. And the Texans suffered from that last year in the postseason. Numerous teams suffered from that against these guys. This is where they readjust, and that's the part that caught me with Kansas City is they looked pretty bad in that first half, but the second half was a much different team, and how does Belichick adjust to that will be the question mark moving forward. Yeah, I I totally agree, and again, for me, Bill Belichick is just the wild card. He, You know what we call him the equalizer. If your team is deficient in certain areas, Bill Belichick can figure out a way to you know, disguise that, hide that somehow. And the Kansas City Chiefs are a juggernaut. Let's just be honest here. They're they're the best team in the NFL by far. And offensively, they're a nightmare to deal with. Belichick found a way for a half, at least, to keep that under control. And if he had a quarterback or an offense at all in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter, it would have been very problematic for the Chiefs. And so, anyways, our... Uh, Air Comfort Service text line 65780 from the 618. Hey, Rivs, your tinfoil hat idea seems to have some truth. 
Because now, all of a sudden, Cam Newton can practice in a day or so. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. As long as he has a, a couple of negative tests, he certainly can. Maybe he went to Trump's doctors. <laughs> think Those guys are not touching that one. Oh, I think, I think it's five, great. Everybody's six, healthy. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 636. Somebody says the Bills are better than the Patriots. They are actually the ones that have the best oh chance my. to mm. beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. So here's where I do find that to be a little bit of an interesting conversation. This is as good as I can remember the second tier in the NFL being in a long time. And I think some of that is just because of the sheer number of quality quarterbacks that we're seeing around the league. Some of it is by design, like the the scoring is up because they're calling fewer penalties. They have legislated the game in a way where we're going to get more passing yards and all of these different things. Right. But you look in the AFC and like the quote unquote second tier below the Chiefs. And I believe the Ravens are kind of that number two team in the power rankings, if you will. Patriots are really good. Steelers are a really good team. The Browns are really interesting. I don't know how good they are, but I find them to be really compelling. I think the Titans are pretty good. The Colts are pretty good. The Raiders on any given week can come up and get you. That's six teams that are really interesting once we get to the playoffs. And it's the same thing in the NFC. The Bucks, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, 49ers, all really quality teams. And I'm not totally out on the Cowboys yet. I know, oh my God, I know, BK. I know. That offense can score with anybody. Their defense stinks. It's awful. That's it's the em- worst. It, they're embarrassing right now. I could not believe what I've witnessed for the last two weeks specifically. Do you hear Marcus Spears, former Cowboys defensive lineman on this morning on Get Up? He basically called out the defensemen on the Cowboys team and said, if you're going to be soft and not try and tackle, just sit on the bench because somebody <laughs> else will do it. Stephen A. Smith had some great things, too. He, he Big cowboy lover, that guy. Oh, I love his Not. tweets after they lose. Oh, they're so good. They're awful. Defensively, oh. they are terrible. But that offense is as good as yeah. any in the league. And I'm including I Kansas City in that one. Their yeah. offense is awesome and it's so much fun to watch every game they play this year is going to be like 35 32 and that's on the low side it won't of things be boring that's no, for sure it's absolutely going to be interesting every week for them so this is kind of what i'm getting at is like yeah you can say that the bills are the team that are better than the patriots i could make an argument for the steelers or maybe for the browns you could make an argument in the nfc for any number of teams this is why it's been such an interesting start to the year there's some surprise teams that have kind of come up there's some teams that have gone down a little bit compared to expectations and when you get in the middle, when you meet in the middle there, these playoffs are going to be really fun. And now you've only got one team that gets the bye this year because you've got the seven playoff games or seven playoff teams. Rather, it, it's setting up for one hell of a run down the stretch with a lot of these teams still being in contention at the end. So I have one last quick question is uh, remember I said yesterday, like Bill Belichick is going to be in full emperor mode for last night. He didn't have the hoodie or the hood on, but he hit he did have double masks. Going he, he on did. the sideline. That was impressive. Not sure why, but he had double masks. But I am saying this. Why have the other coaches not gone to the Andy Reid? I visor? saw a few of them did this week. But yeah. that, Mike Zimmer did. Did you see that? Yeah, okay, Mike Zimmer's wearing it. I'm watching Andy Reid now, and I paused it on my TV last night because I'm like, how did he defeat this fog up, right? One, it's a different style. Two, he has holes in the top of it, mm-hmm. and he's got that the glasses thing that fits on your nose. <laughs> but there's no restriction for the mic. It's right underneath the visor. So he's communicating fully with everybody, and you can see his facial expressions. So I don't know why the rest of the league, the coaches who have been angry about wearing these masks or whatever, 
go to the visor. Yeah, you look a little bit like a goofball, like you're trying to ride some <laughs> snow machine through the snow or something. But who cares? You're able to get your message. Did across. you see Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy last uh-huh. night? He went with the double. He had the face shield and the goggles. He well, had the, the no, goggles. The face shield too. is attached to the goggles. <laughs> is that what it was? That's what it is. Didn't, yeah, I think NASA. I, it's a, constru- I swear to God, I think it's a NASA kit. had a part in like constructing that for Andy Reid. I'm, I'm being all serious here. I'm gonna get one of those. I want to walk around. One Bring of those. it into the studio yeah. for the rest Make of the sure week. Yours is tinted though, so we can't I see your face. I could fit the Mike, uh, get the Ovechkin tinted yeah, visor. I don't want to see your face when That'd you be wear. great. You guys wouldn't be able to see my expressions. With JV Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The NHL draft is tonight. This is going to be one of the last opportunities for the Blues to be able to shed some salary when it comes to a trade. Are they going to do it? What can we spe- expect from them in this first round? We'll talk to our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford, about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Here we go. So Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Excited to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. It's such a big day for the NHL. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic, joining us now. JR, we expecting any trades tonight for the Blues uh, during the <laughs> NHL draft, man? You never know. You never know. You know, a couple of years ago, I wasn't expecting the Blues to be able to unload Yori Laterra for uh, Braden Shen. Uh, and though this one wasn't at the draft, you didn't expect uh, Patrick Berglund, Vladimir Saboka to go for uh, Ryan O'Reilly. The more you hear him, uh, Frario, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. Just spilled <laughs> his beer on the soundboard. Yeah, but you uh, you never know, and uh, this is a year definitely where uh, if they are going to have a chance to, to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, they're going to have to shed some salary. And even though they've got another day or two to uh, decide or or complete that, you're right. If you're going to uh, have draft picks involved, uh, teams like to get them before the draft. So we'll, we'll have to wait and find out. All right, Jared, the Blues have the 26th overall pick. This is deemed to be a very, very deep draft overall what are the Blues looking at? Have you heard any kind of rumors or of players' names that have been tossed around? I know it's deep in the first round, but, you know, they have wants and needs. I'm just wondering if you've heard anything that, you know, that what they might be looking at. Well, after watching months and months of, of KHL highlight tape and Swedish League uh, tape, I've, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's a situation where they, they lose their director of amateur scouting uh, in Bill Armstrong, he moves on to Arizona and becomes the GM. They're a great promotion for him, very well-deserving. And so now uh, the Blues are going to turn to uh, Tony Feltrin and Danny Janelle, and these are the two guys who are going to be basically in charge of the draft uh, with uh, Doug Armstrong saying that uh, Tony uh, Feltran will be in charge, kind of driving here. So it's going to be uh, different. You don't know what to expect, but you got to believe that the Blues are going to have the same philosophy uh, in addition to the fact that they had extra months and months to put their list together, and Bill Armstrong was around for that entire time. So, you know, just knowing Bill for the last 10 or 15 years, uh, he was in that Yarmo Kekalainen mold where uh, best available. You know, I think late first round, uh, there are some defensemen available. You have a, a player, Justin Barron. Uh, you have another defenseman. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke, uh, personally, when I did a mock draft a couple weeks ago with The Athletic, I had a uh, young center, Jan Mysik, and so those are some names to watch. The one thing, uh, just a little nugget that I stumbled across, guys, while doing some draft prep work, uh, is that uh, they have not drafted a right-shot defenseman since the second round of 2013. That was Tommy Vanelli. The last nine defensemen that they've drafted have, have all been lefties. Yeah, JR. So with this 26th overall pick, too, 
Do you think it's in play? And what I mean by that is, do you see the Blues using it possibly as a little bit of a poker chip in some kind of a bigger deal? Because as great as this draft can be, as deep as it can be, 26th overall is usually a player that you're hoping in two to three years can you know, possibly makes an impact on your team, but there's certainly no guarantees of it. Yeah, you look at uh, that late 20s pick, you know, the Blues did have like a David Perron there. and He came in and played right away. But other situations, you've had like a, a Tage Thompson, who they ended up moving to Buffalo in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Dominic Bach was the late 20s, and he was moved uh, to Carolina, the Justin Falk trade. So I think those guys have value where you pick them. Um, you know, in the case of the trades to Buffalo and Carolina, you know, those are players that the other teams wanted. In the, so they help facilitate uh, those deals. But you're right, Riv. If you're going to play these guys, it's going to take, I think, uh, two to three, maybe even four years before you see some production. What the Blues have done a couple times in the past few years is taken, you know, that late 20s pick, let's say 28, 29, and uh, and move up a couple spots. You know, maybe there's a guy on the board that they like at 24, 25. So they have done that. I don't think that the Blues are going to be able to move up much higher. I'd be surprised just because, you know, they don't have a lot of early picks. You traded a second-round pick in the, in the Marco Scandella trade. Um, after... Uh, selection number 26, uh, the Blues don't pick again until the 80s. They have two picks in the 80s, so it's not like uh, they have uh, some you know, second, third-round picks that they can use to move up. So um, I expect the Blues to pick at this point, but again, you just never know going into these things. Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jerry, are you willing to play a game of reckless speculation with us today? Oh, let's do it. Oh, Sounds boy. Off. Here we go. If <laughs> the Blues were to make a trade involving one of their players, let's call it maybe, I don't know, a salary dump, if you will, who who do you think it would be tonight? And again, this is reckless speculation, not you reporting. So you can get a little out there out on your skis if you want to. Yeah, completely reckless here. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we've tried to dissect this every which way. And, and you know, as at, at this point, they're, they're not buying out Alexander Steen. And so there's only a couple more options. You look at you look at Tyler Bozak. He's a guy whose name just pops to mind because he has a five million dollar salary next year uh you know he, he I, i'm not saying he can be replaced but i think that you have some bottom six forwards that you could uh, pop in that spot in terms of maybe even like an ivan barbashev if you got sunquist and, and barbashev both up the middle uh, in the bottom six and it saves you a lot of salary in terms of trying to bring back an Alex Petrangelo, if that indeed is still one of the Blues' plan. After that, you know, we've talked about Schwartz. I just don't think there's a ton of interest to move him. I think they'd like to re-sign him. Um, and, and then you look at, like, a Scandella. And I know uh, some people would say, what, they just signed him. Uh, but maybe you can get an asset for a guy who's signed for the next four years at a, you know, at, at a relatively decent price. So those are just a couple names that come to mind. JR, what would you say if I said maybe a Justin Falk plus the 26th overall pick? In return for a third rounder from somebody else. Oh, I like that, Jr. That sounds really detailed. That sounds really detailed. No, Justin Falk is a name that I think you have to have on your uh, radar in terms of the Blues hoping to unload. Not only would it free up some space to, to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, but I do think it would correct the situation. I think that uh, you look back on that, and I, I realize what Doug Armstrong was trying to do, add some depth to the defense. I think that uh, you know he's trying to have a backup plan for Alex Petrangelo. But I just don't understand the term of that deal uh, when you have Pareko and potentially Petrangelo back on that right side. So, yeah, if you can make a deal where you unload that contract, even if it costs you a first-round pick, 
if that allows you to re-sign Alex Petrangelo, then I think that could work. But, wow, that's a heavy price to pay a first-round pick to correct what many believe was a mistake. I agree. Now, the second the follow-up to that is, do you think Blues fans will have the ultimate tell on the Alex Petrangelo situation based on what Doug Armstrong does in the next two days at the draft? Like, That's his, a good question. Yeah. His decisions yeah. at the draft table, will they absolutely give us the answers to the test? I don't. I can't say absolute because I've I've been in situations, not necessarily with a player of the profile of Alex Petrangelo, but I've been in situations going into the draft thinking, okay, what they do is, is going to give us a good heads up on, on what they're going to do when free agency starts. And then all of a sudden the Blues draft, you know, six or seven guys and they have their draft class and, and they move on to free agency. You know, if, if there's a deal tonight with, let's say, a, a Falk or let's say a Bozak or something like that, I think that gives you some sort of indication of, of what they're trying to do and maybe they're making some progress with Alex Petrangelo. Um, but I, I just can't say that after – round seven tomorrow we're absolutely going to be guaranteed to know what what direction that's going possibly but i just can't say guaranteed all right jr so a lot of speculation out there in the goalie market right Uh, quite honestly it's as deep as i've ever seen it before as far as unrestricted free agents that are goaltenders and other goalies that are well they're available gms have basically said yeah they're available they're in play mark andre fleury uh matt murray in pittsburgh heck even the toronto maple Leafs are saying that their goaltender is available for the right price in your opinion do you feel that the blues are set with Billy huso or could doug armstrong go kicking the tires on maybe even a henrik lundquist or a Braden holby mm. somebody to come in as a supporting cast i would lean towards more of a henrik lundquist because the price tag would be much lower at that point Braden holby's going to want to hit a home run but henrik lundquist as a mentor and that guy who takes jake allen's spot as the 20 to 25 starts i mean that kind of looks pretty good I would also not rule that out. And I know that all the conversation the past month or so has been Billy Huso coming in to be in the backup. He signed a one-way deal. You know, you're going to have to pay his $750,000 salary in the minors if you have him in the minors. But I just can't get my head wrapped around the fact that uh, there won't be anybody necessarily pushing Jordan Bennington. And, and, you know, we can't forget that the middle of last year, even though Bennington had a decent season and won 30 games, Jake Allen had to basically step in there and take over for a couple weeks. And if not for the play of Jake Allen, the Blues certainly wouldn't have been in the position that they were in. Now it's going to be a contract year for Jordan Bennington. Obviously he's going to want to play uh, very well, but we're talking about a backup in Billy Huso who doesn't uh, have any experience at the NHL level whatsoever. So uh, having said that, if Doug Armstrong can get a Henrik Lundqvist for, I'm just throwing a number out here, you know, a million, million five, and and maybe he takes that because he's made his money and because he's getting bought out, he'll get the rest of that that, that money, then perhaps that's an opportunity. But you're right. There's a lot of goaltenders out there. There's a lot of veterans. Some of them are going to want to hit home runs. That's not going to work in St. Louis. Uh, But a guy like Lundqvist for the right price, I think, Doug would entertain that idea. It's very interesting. I uh, I love having you on, Jr. In part because suddenly Jamie Rivers starts floating these theories or these ideas, and I always <laughs> wonder what does Jamie know, what does Jr. know that I don't know. Uh, he's Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESP. And last question that I have for you, Jr. It's something we're going to talk about a little bit later today. If the Blues were about 72 hours now from now, uh, the official start of free agency, when other teams can officially reach out to Alex Petrangelo, if they do not bring him back next year, JR, 
What kind of a team are we looking at? Like, is, is this still a playoff contender? What are the Blues without Alex Petrangelo? I think it's a good team, but we have to keep in mind that you're without Vladimir Tarasenko, and everybody responds by saying they played well without him last year, but he's still a 30-35 goal scorer. So you're without Petrangelo, you're without Tarasenko. I think they're a good team, but I think they go from being a team uh, that we saw last year that can be on top of the West and you know be a top-five team in the league to, you know, I think they're a third place team in the division. You know, I think they're, you know, in the top five or six teams uh, in the West in that sort of realm. And, and that's what I believe Alex Petrangelo does for them. You know, I think he eats up the minutes. I, I think uh, he's shown in the last year and a half that he, he's a capable uh, leader. And, and I think that there would be some shock, I think, uh, to take the ice without him. Would they get over it? Yeah, it's going to take a, a couple months. But you're asking, you know, guys like Pareko to step up and be that type of guy. And you're asking Justin Falk to be better than he was last year. So to me, you know, I, I've said it for the past couple months i think without alex petrangelo this window closes a little bit and i think that uh, they're not going to be as good of a team uh, as they were the past couple years jr appreciate the time man looking forward to your coverage of the nhl drafts tonight people can follow that on twitter at jp rutherford also over on the athletic where they can read all of your stories always appreciate the time man thanks so much for hopping on with us Uh, we'll talk with you again next week Thanks, guys. Thanks. You got it. That's Jeremy Rutherford joining us on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. I certainly have a question for uh, Jamie Rivers after that segment. Henrik Lundqvist? Is this real? Is this a possibility for the Blues? Are they going out there and getting, getting Lundqvist? We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. the air comfort service text line for questions and answers now jamie rivers does this thing sometimes we'll be in the middle of a segment and he brings something up and he passes it along as if it's just a thought or hey you know this would be really interesting and i always know in the back of my mind jamie these gears are turning and i'm wondering to myself what does he know that i don't now there's a lot a lot a lot that he knows that i don't know especially when it comes to hockey and certainly baseball he's the baseball guy i'm the football guy. thank you for recognizing we all know that And so you asked a question of Jeremy Rutherford and you said, hey, you know, what do you think about it's a big time goalie market guy like Henrik Lundqvist, who was just bought out? Maybe you could get him on the cheap. Do you think the Blues could maybe be interested in bringing him in as the number two goalie? Well, I'm certainly interested in something like that. Is this this a real thing or was this just purely speculation? Well, anything can be real. Uh Uh-huh. If you want it to be. Um, oh, that was a dad speech there. <laughs> no, uh, listen, it just, it. there are some rumors out there. Um, I certainly, you know, Army doesn't call me to make his decisions. Trust me, he's listened to the show. He's not calling me anytime soon. Um, but what I'm saying is it makes sense. You look at losing a Jake Allen, and I guess ultimately you would have liked to have kept Jake Allen, but it was his price was too high. If you can combine Henrik Lundqvist and Billy Husso and be at the 2.275 range, that's a steal for a goalie. And we look at the NHL right now, how many teams are going with that two-goalie system? They have to. Look at the playoffs. We had multiple goalies playing in different series. Look at Anton Hudobin in Dallas is the backup goalie, and he carried them all the way to the end of the Stanley Cup Finals. 
where Ben Bishop's number one. So I, I just think that right now, a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, who is starving for a Stanley Cup, he wants to go to a contender. Now, all things being fair, the Islanders, as well as the Capitals, have already shown interest in Henrik Lundqvist. Colorado, too. Okay, possibly. Yeah, Colorado, too, would be in that in that boat. But I know that he's either going to stay local with, you know, the, the closer teams in Washington and with Long Island, mm-hmm. or he's going to go for it, where he thinks is going to be a cup-contending situation. And the Blues make sense for him. Colorado makes sense for him. Probably a couple other teams as well. I just think that it's a great fit. It's a great idea and the strategy, quite honestly. Looks good. Here's the thing, too, with this. If the reports are true, which right now it's just a target date, but if they're starting January 1st and they still want to play 82, which I don't know how you can get 82 in, but let's just say NHL wants to. Doubleheaders. You're going to be playing doubleheaders three and four <laughs> days, four and six days. You're going to have to have two goaltenders, which Husso can be, but let's say hypothetically Bennington struggles again. You're going to have to have a goalie who can play a string of five, six games, and I don't know if Husso is ready to do that at the NHL level. Henrik Lundqvist could do that. One thing we're getting on the text line here, by the way, which is 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. People are like, well, you know, 636. To be fair, Henrik has been bad the last few years. Okay, listen here. I'll take his bad any day for for starters. But second of all, he's been in a rebuilding team where they're giving up so many scoring opportunities. Look at his defenseman. Can you? Yes, exactly, Alex. Can you imagine Henrik Lundqvist behind the decor that is the St. Louis Blues? I think we'd see, especially for 25 to 30 starts, I think we'd see vintage Henrik Lundqvist. Look at the goalies that the Blues have had in the past that have been backup goalies and then gone on to be number ones. A Carter Hutton, a Brian Elliott, a Jake Allen. Take a guy who's been a number one goalie and make him a backup, you're going to make him a number one again. And that's what I was about to say. Is like you don't, Even if he's not, Alex, even if he is just like a, a solid number two, if you're paying him a million and a half, two million bucks, like that's what you're expecting mm-hmm. out of him. You're hoping that Ville Husso can be that guy next year. It's can he potentially, maybe, possibly, we hope so. We know that Henrik Lundqvist can be a solid number two. Is he going to be what he was in his prime? Probably not, because that was one of the best goaltenders of the last decade, right? He was at the peak of his powers, and there were very few that were as good as him. He's probably not going to be that guy. That's okay. You just need a a good number two. As we saw in this postseason with Stanley Cup final, you need a number two in today's day and age. We talked with who was it from NBC Sports, uh, the reporter that came on with us, Jamie, and she said Catherine, Catherine, she said specifically one of the things that she took away from this postseason was you got to have a one A and a one B to be able to win in hockey in 2020. You can't do it any other way. And so we don't have that answer right now on the current Blues backup goalie situation with Lundqvist. I think you would have an answer. So one thing, too, we have to remember is Henrik Lundqvist carried a team that wasn't worthy of being in the Stanley Cup final to a Game 7. Yep, He carried that team. Now, I know there's a few years ago. I get it. I get it. But if you lower the workload for a guy like that with the ability that he has and the determination and the skill and the resume, he could be great. And we also have some some very smart texters in here. 65780. 636 says, hot take, though. Uh, no Petro probably means no Henrik Lundqvist. They're not wrong. I can't imagine that a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, who's looking to get that Stanley Cup, probably not going to sign on the dotted line mm-hmm. if the St. Louis Blues aren't keeping one of the best five defensemen in the league. Yeah, uh, you got to have uh, your your odds of winning the Stanley Cup next year drop significantly without Alex Petrangelo. So you're not going to get Lundqvist. But on the other side of other side of this. Think of the off hockey side of it. 
Henrik Lundqvist would be a great person to have in that locker room with Jordan Bennington, who's oh, yeah. going oh, into gosh. a contract year. Well, he's a, the Rangers have said for years that he's a, he's the captain of the team. Now the goalies don't wear the C, but they've said Henrik Lundqvist is the captain of the team, and that's why the Rangers have moved on from Lundqvist because he's been around these younger Russian goalies who have been in the minors and backups to him for so long. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line from the three one four guys. I'm going to make you John Mosaylock for the day. You get to sign one free agent for this Cardinals roster. Who are you picking and why? So I just pulled up the list of the 10 best free agents on the market this offseason. Jamie, I'll go ahead and throw these out here. Starting pitcher, Trevor Bauer. You've got catcher, JT Realmuto. I don't think he's going to be on the Cardinals uh, list. Not great. Center fielder slash corner outfielder, George Springer. Shortstop, Marcus Simeon. You've got left fielder and DH, Marcelo Zuna as oh, an option cute. out there. DJ LeMayhew, second baseman, starter Marcus Stroman, relief pitcher Liam Hendricks, and relief, uh, starter Masahiro Tanaka. Those are your top nine. You got Didi Gregorius, but at that point, you're kind of getting into the next tier of players. There's only one. There's only one free agent that I think would be of interest to the Cardinals, and it is Jerry. George Springer. Jerry Springer. Um, not great. Yeah, no, you're right. I listened to that list, and... Like Trevor Bauer, like that guy's an incredible pitcher, but do the Cardinals need to pay up big bucks for that guy in their rotation? I don't think they have to. I think they have a solid rotation. The pitching's not the problem. Also, if they were getting rid of Tommy Pham and Randy A for being yeah. outspoken, I don't think Trevor Yikes. Bauer's going to be a part well, of this he's team. He's a quiet guy, isn't he? He kind of keeps quiet guy himself. in person. He's on social media a little I bit too much. I would love to have Trevor Bauer yeah. here in St. Louis. He would be great for our jobs. Don't think the Cardinals are going to be signing that. Dude. No, I understand that. That's why it's not even a thought. Yeah, George Springer is probably the only one you're entertaining, but. To me, the ultimate problem there becomes he's the only one. So anybody that's in the market for a bat in their lineup, they're going to be talking to him. It's going to make the price go way up. Hear me out because I think Springer's the one to go with. But what about DJ LeMahieu? Now, again, this is going to be a lot of money, and you got Colton Wong, but can LeMahieu play third base? That'd be a question I'd have. And if he can, can you find a way to get him for cheap? Because this is a guy who's led the league or the, the yeah, their American League and then the National League in hits two consecutive years. It's pretty rare that a guy goes from second to third. I, maybe he could. Yeah, you could you could potentially try it. I think if they go that route, though, it would be as a replacement for Colton Wong. And then you're you're going to be paying more than twelve and a half million dollars. So are you would you rather have the offense or would you rather have the defense? And he's going to be thirty two years yeah. old next year. It'll be yeah. his age thirty two season. So you get older. You do get better at the plate, though. It's a significant upgrade offensively from Colton Wong. That's a, that's a number two hitter right there for you. I, I mean, a guy who gets on base nonstop. He's got a little bit of power, but a guy who will give you hit after hit after hit. Jamie, after hit. he hit three sixty five this year. That's good. Is 365. That, is that good? That's great. It was like, the, I'm used to numbers that start with one around here. He uh, <laughs> he has now won a batting title in both the National League and the American League within the last five years. He's a really good hitter. Now, he has also played at two really good hitting parks with Yankee Stadium and out at Coors Field in Colorado. So that's something you got to take into account here. But. LeMahieu would be an upgrade offensively, but it would also be a downgrade defensively. So Springer's the only answer. If you're going free agency, Springer is the only answer for you this season. It's going to be such a competitive market oh, for God, that yeah. player that actually, you know what? I should take that back. I think it'll be competitive for about four or five teams because the finances are going to come into this and only the big dogs are going to be able to eat at the table if they choose to. Let's stick on that. Stick on that line of thinking because the NL Central is about to open up. There's a real opportunity here. 
if the Cardinals want to take it. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Frario, I'm Brandon Kyler. We'll get into why the NL Central is about to open up for the Cardinals if they want to take it here in just a moment. We do have a little bit of news from what? the St. Louis Blues. Whoop. They announced earlier Careful. today qualifying offers oh. have been sent out to four restricted free agents. Players that received the qualifying offers include Vince Dunn, Austin Paganski, Mitch Rinke, 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 Rinke. Yep. And Jake Wallman. Those are the four. There are two, only two restricted free agents that did not receive uh, qualifying offers. One is Jake Dotchin. Yep. The other is Derek Pouliot. That's the other one. So those two were the only blues that are restricted free agents that were not tendered. All of the others were at least tendered. Jamie, for our listeners that don't know what comes next, what does this mean? What happens next for specifically Vince Dunn? That's the really the one that people are probably wondering about. Yeah, this is no surprise. Uh, the, the Pouliot and Dachin were veteran guys that were kind of break glass in case of emergency, and they'll go sign a one-year deal somewhere else now next year. They're the veteran players, so they'll move on. Um, Pagansky and Ranky and Wallman, no problem there. I think Wallman might have arbitration rights this year, but I think that he'll take whatever the Blues can give him. Vince Dunn, yes, he's the important one. He's um, the guy that we're wondering about. He has arbitration rights. So what will happen here is him and his agent will discuss the qualifying offer, which is usually a 10% raise of what he made the last year, if it's under league average. Really complicated, but basically he'll get a little bit of a bump. And it's up to him and his agent to decide, of, yes, we'll take this one-year deal, or no, we'd like to go to arbitration and put my numbers up against five or six other players in the league that are making more. Actually, I personally think Vince Dunn should just take the qualifying offer. I have a bad feeling that if he goes to arbitration, and let's say he wins, I think the Blues might walk. And it might work out for Vince Dunn, but in this climate... So that would be like a trade, or they would just let him go no, just elsewhere. let him go. Free agent. Well, and look at the trades, too. In the past history is when you go to arbitration with players, and those players win arbitrations, usually there's a little kerfuffle between the general managers and that player. Joel Edmondson, a perfect example, went to arbitration. He won. He was traded to Carolina with Bach uh, for Justin Falk. Yeah, all things being fair, he won two years in a row, yeah. arbitration. And so I think that... It's a delicate situation. For Vince Dunn, it kind of sucks because the climate financially of the NHL is not necessarily going to support picking up guys for more than what you can afford. So that's why if I'm Vince Dunn, talk to my agent. It's probably going to be about a two, $2.2 million offer. I'm like, you know what? Sold. We'll take it. Now I'm guaranteed to make my money and I have another year to prove myself, hopefully with a great team. Great organization. And then next year, we can worry about arbitration. When there's not a pandemic to worry about, and you can then make your money. Contract year, year, have a good season, and then exactly. boom, go get paid the next following year. 100%. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So I teased before the break, the NL Central is about to open up for the Cardinals if they really want to go out there and take it. And here's why I said that. Yesterday, we had a couple of press conferences from the general manager slash president of baseball operations for the, for the Cubs. David Stearns with the Brewers and Theo Epstein with the Cubs both talked to the media. David Stearns, the Brewers GM, said that the Brewers are looking to trim their payroll. 
going into next season. They can't sustain where they are right now. They were 24th in baseball this year with a $110 million payroll. And they say too high, can't do it after the pandemic year. They're going to have to shed some salary. So the Brewers will likely take a step back going into next season. And already this year, you could see that's just not the same team that it was two years ago. The Brewers are a team that we'll see. I don't think that they're going to be in contention for first or second in the division next year. The Cubs are another interesting one. It sounds like Theo Epstein is planning his exit strategy. Yeah, weird, right? So he basically said yesterday, hey, you know, he's got this 10-year thing where he doesn't stay with any organization for more than 10 years. He thinks that's his time limit uh, to be able to move on to the next opportunity, whatever that may be. He's coming up on it. Next year is the final year of his deal. It would be, I believe, 10 years with the Cubs at that point. So he's looking to potentially move on from the Cubs, and he wants to pass things over to Jed Hoyer, his general manager, the second guy in charge, and he wants to leave him with a good roster. And next year, they've got a lot of decisions to make. Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, all free agents after next season. And it sounds like the Cubs are open to moving on from any number of those guys. We could see Javi Baez maybe extended and maybe you trade Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber. The Cubs might also take a step back next year. So now we're really looking at the Reds, who probably aren't going to have Trevor Bauer, who was their clear number one ace this year. The Cubs without some of their franchise players. The Brewers taking a step back by shedding salary. The C's are parting here, boys, for the Cardinals, if they're aggressive this offseason, to go for it and win this division. Now the question becomes, do they want to do that? Do they have the money to be able to go out there and get aggressive? Do they have the ability to be able to go out there and get somebody to add to their teams while other teams in the division are subtracting from theirs? Let me ask you this question. Do they have to? And what I mean by that is based upon the information that I just received from you, which was great work, by the way, fantastic stuff. um, Do they have to? Because these teams are going to be weaker. So being average might be good. And we've said I've said that before, like the Cardinals kind of being average gets you in. If the Reds aren't going to be good, if the Cubs can't afford what they're doing, if the Brewers, those are three of your biggest competition. And that's why I think you're not going to see anything in free agency. That's because of that reason like, right do there. Do you have to? It, I don't know. And, and all of that resides on what the Cubs do, because look, if the Cubs don't move any of those pieces, there's the same team that they were this year, which is going to fight for first place in the division. I do think Cincinnati is going to make a push at Trevor Bauer. I don't know if they're going to get him because he's going to get paid by somebody. Yeah. And he said, that he's going year to year. He's not going to sign long-term extensions with teams. But if yeah, he, until he gets a nice couple hundred million, and he's like, ah, you know what? I, I, maybe I, I don't think anybody's paying uh, yeah, him that couple hundred million. So <laughs> if, if the Reds can't bring back Bauer, and we already know where Milwaukee's going with this, the Cubs are really the only team you're fighting with. And as soon as they move one or two of those pieces, which I truly believe Bryant or Schwarber are going to be the I first so to too. go. You don't have to make a move because you're better than those teams already. You're significantly better pitching wise than those teams already. And your offense is comparable to those teams with the with the Cubs without Bryant and Schorber or insert any of those players. The Cardinals are the same team. I would argue that even if they keep those players, the Cardinals are fine. They'll find a playoff spot. They'll find Probably. a playoff spot. Especially okay, if the playoffs are expanded next year. Okay. So 65780 six, is the point, Air Comfort right? Service text line. You make a good one, Jamie. It, it is a absolutely a fair point. And this texter, I think, kind of goes in line with what I'm kind of thinking here. From the 618, you could win the Central just fine with the current roster. But the Cardinals want to compete for championships. And I don't believe you could do that with the current construction of the team. 
That's where I agree. I don't think you can win a title. You're not a real contender. Now, you're a, divi- you're a contender for the division, no doubt. I think right now, today, if they added nothing, if they simply brought back the same team, brought back Wayno, brought back Yachty, the, the rotation is more healthy next year, and you play a regular season as opposed to whatever the hell this was that they just played, the Cardinals will be a contender in the National League Central next year. We'll, I will probably pick them to win the division at the beginning of the year. But they won't be a contender for a World Series. And I think there yeah. is a there is a difference there. They need at least for me another bat in this order to be able to reach up to that level to be that kind of a contender. In this financial climate, though, OK, and this is where I go with it, because all arrows point into this direction for me anyways, is. If John Mosaylock and the Cardinals can put a team together that for next year is guaranteed to get one of these playoff spots or contend for one of these playoff spots and just get themselves into the postseason, that's the championship. Under the financial restraints that they're going to have, if they can push this, then what it does, it buys them another mm-hmm. year. And then you have the Except- other guys coming up. Who are the young guys again? Coming for the Cardinals? Nolan Gorman. Nolan, Nolan Gorman, Gorman Libertor, 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 Thompson. And now your window. Maybe that's your window. But what about Yachty? Well, yeah, but Yachty's still going to play on a winning team. That's your sell right there. What I'm saying is 2021, when you're saying, okay, now you go into that season with some of these young studs potentially being ready, probably playing that year without Yachty. Next year very well may be the final year. I think Yachty's on a year-to-year evaluation right now. As much as Yachty would like two years, I think Mosaic has to look at it as a year-to-year. That's what I'm saying is you, you lose that, and you do lose. We saw this year, Yachty is still a really important player for this team. And I, I think Kisner's probably going to be traded this offseason after what we saw this year. There's just it's hard for me to him, believe but... that he's going to be back next season. They've got Ivan Herrera, who's an up-and-coming mm-hmm. stud in their system, and he's probably a couple of years away at least. But without Yachty back there in 2021, okay, you, you might be a contender elsewhere. Maybe that part of your roster is ready. But are you ready behind the plate? And what does the pitching staff then look like without Yachty back there calling the game? Mm-hmm. I, I think it changes the dynamic a little I bit. I could still see Yachty coming back, though. Like, he is a year-to-year player, but I see Yachty looking at two to three more years of well, I'm playing. I'm sure Yachty sees himself for 10 years. And it, well, that's true. And in 2021, you also have Carpenter and Fowler off of the books, and I believe Carlos Martinez, unless you move him mm-hmm. elsewhere, is off Maybe the books. Maybe that combination. you got a right? lot of money that opens up but in the gotta next year. you got to get to year. that point. you got to get to that point. 65780 is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show. That is that's what I said the other day. I think 2021 is when they add the big bat, mm-hmm. like with a capital B, capital B, big bat. What does that free agency look like, though? I'll have to look that up. I'll look that, that up that in the names. break. We'll, we'll add that to Bet It or Forget It. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for Bet It or Forget It. That's coming up next. Plus, I'll look up what the free agents are after next season. We can start looking into Bet It or Forget It that the Cardinals will add a bat next year. It's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. And Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of bet it or forget it. So you guys asked me, who are the big time free agents that could be available? Not this offseason, but the following offseason. So we're talking about after the 2021 class or 2021 season, who's going to be available? Because that could be the year when the Cardinals really add the big bat. You've got Dexter Fowler coming off the books. You've got Carlos Martinez coming off. Colton Wong's coming off. Matt Carpenter off the books. Yadier Molina. Andrew Miller. We'll see Andrew Miller. There's a lot of money that is coming off of the books after next season. No, Austin. 
Jonathan Dean will forever be He'll a be Cardinal. Back, for sure. He'll forever be a Cardinal. So who is available? Who could the Cardinals go out there and get next offseason if they don't decide to do it this offseason? Hit me with it. Wow me. Oh boy, if you want a shortstop next year is the year oh. to do it. You guys like Francisco Lindor? Oh, do I ever? Hell yeah. You guys like Javi Baez? Hell yeah. Oh, yes. You guys like Carlos Correa? No. No. I like his bat. No, I don't like his I mouth. I don't like anything about You guys that. like Trevor Story? No. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> Let me tell you his story. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're welcome. What? You're better than that. You're no. better than that. No, he really is. Dad Joe coming in hot. Do you guys like Corey Seager? I like Bob Seeger. <laughs> <laughs> they are all free agents in this upcoming offseason. Not this year, but the following year. Those are a lot of really good names to be able to kind of pay attention to. That's a pretty good offseason for shortstops at the very least. So then what do you do with Paul DeYoung? And we I know people are, but what Forever if one of these guys but what, if, way. what if Nolan Gorman's ready to play? Then you get rid of him. We don't even know if Nolan Gorman is a third baseman. He might no, play a true. corner outfield. He might be a DH moving might forward. Might be first base. If you have yeah. these guys available, you find a way to make it work with DeYoung or you trade him. Yeah. Like, let's Especially, be honest. I mean, you could move him to third. You could move DeYoung um, to second. Uh, you could do a lot of possibilities yeah, with that Long bat. probably would be on his way somewhere else at that Ooh. point. What do you think about Freddie Freeman? They won't let him go. But is it Freddie? What is he? Third? He's, first. He's a first baseman. Yeah, he can play corner outfield too, though. Or DH again. DH. If there's a DH, that's regular. Atlanta won't the... let him go. I Morgan agree, Freeman's but... available. That voice no. put you to Six, sleep. Six five seven eight zero oh, is the Air Comfort Service tax line. So better to forget it, guys. The Cardinals will sign one of these big bats, and not this off season, but the upcoming off season. Be able to bring home the title here to St. Louis. Jamie uh, Rivers, better to forget it. I'm way more inclined to bet that. Yes, I will bet it. I think that John Mozalak will keep this team relatively the same into the upcoming season just because finances are going to be out of whack. And I think that they can compete anyways without having to go big. And so to your point, BK, which great research, by the way, finding all those guys and the salaries and the contracts. Alex, well done as well. Shedding some of that salary, Didn't adding a big bat. Dylan Carlson's a couple of years better. We have some other prospects possibly coming in. I will bet it. Boy, I want to bet it. The only part that gets me on this one, guys, is what hole is bigger for the Cardinals? Is it the outfield position when you lose Dexter Fowler and who's going to be playing out there? Or is it the infield position and what it looks like with no third? Because you're going to have Tommy Edmonds still. Is he a second baseman? Is he a third baseman? Where do you move DeYoung? With that being said, I'm going to bet it. I'm going to bet it. those guys anywhere, really. Except yeah, first can. base. I wouldn't put just, DeYoung I'm, at first. I'm worried what your outfit Like, you move on from Dexter Fowler. Well, you don't need to find a replacement. Right now, the Cardinals could defensively replace him. That's true. You could put Tommy Edmond out there. I'm going to bet it because I think that bat of a Lindor, a Baez, which I don't think Baez matches what the Cardinals like, but still, and a Corey Seager, all three of those guys are much better. Lindor, too. Great chocolates. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. I'm forgetting it. I'm forgetting what? it. What? What? I'd just, love to see it. You just you talked all about it's this. It's your theory. What yeah. are you doing? What the hell? What did just happened here? I what? mean, what do you think Lindor's going to get on the open market? It. BK will flip flop. <laughs> Lindor's going to get like 250 million plus on the market. Baez is going to get an unbelievable. I think he's staying in Chicago, frankly, but I think he's going to get a big time contract. <laughs> Carlos Correa is no, no, God, no. We'll I don't see. I don't I'll take Springer over Correa. I also think he's going to end up staying in Houston. He better. Trevor Story. You've got the question of, well, is that a creation of Coors Field? 
I do like Trevor Story, though. And if you move him to third, I think that's a really nice bat to have. Strikeouts, too, though. It's a good story. And Corey Seager is going to get paid in a huge way. I just have no reason to believe that the Cardinals are going to go out there and and pay one of these guys what they're ultimately going to get because they don't do that on the open market. This isn't their plan, typically. So I'm going to forget it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Better to forget it, guys. Dylan Carlson will be top 15 in at least two significant offensive categories next season. So Dylan Carlson, an upper half of the league outfielder next year, guys. You think he's going to be a legitimate star in the outfield in 2021? I'm going to forget it. And it's not that I don't think he's capable of getting to that point, but that's an awful lot. Like, it's pretty presumptuous at this point. Yeah, he had a good, what, last three weeks of the season did a really good job but let's not forget the start of that and let's not forget that he's still a young player and that as this journey goes on next year he's definitely going to have peaks and valleys throughout the season as pitchers you know manipulate the way he does his at bats and find out more about what he's going to swing at what he's not it's going to get harder for him before it gets easier is what i'm saying Two years down the road, three years down the road, I think he has the potential of being in that group. Yeah, I'm going to forget it also. The second year, I just don't see him being that high up in those categories. He's going to continue to rise, but I don't see him being in that top echelon of outfielders next year because let's be honest, we know how the Cardinals roll. Sooner or later, he's going to get somebody else playing outfield and he's going to take away some playing time from him, regardless of what you think of him. I think I'm going to forget it as well. If he gives you kind of what Dexter Fowler has given you offensively, if we're talking about like high on base percentage, decent slugging, I know that may sound disappointing to Cardinals fans, given how a lot of them feel about Dexter Fowler. He's got a World Series. If they if he gives you what Dexter Fowler gave you in 2017, his first year here in St. Louis, he had a 265 batting average. He was on base 36 percent of the time, and he finished that year with an 851 OPS. He had 25 doubles and 15 homers, basically, in 120 games. That's what Dexter Fowler did in 2017. I think that's what you're hoping for from Dylan Carlson next year. It's a really good outfielder, somebody that helps you offensively, but no, not a superstar just yet. I, I don't think he's going to be there. Pump quite the brakes, yet. people! 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. Deshaun Watson officially regrets signing a contract extension with the Houston Texans after four weeks into the season. The Texans have already decided to decided to fire Bill O'Brien. Bet it or forget it. He regrets signing that extension. Jamie Rivers. Oh, I'm going to bet it. And here's why I'll bet it. Okay, is yes, they've tried to alleviate the problem here by firing Bill O'Brien and the disaster that he's created. But here's why it's a disaster is it's not just this year. They're missing draft picks and potentially have lost star players. A number one wide receiver they've just basically given away. And it's put this franchise probably back like two years. And so Deshaun Watson's going to have two years, including this one, of possible, I don't want to say misery, but tough times. And who knows then, the hits he takes, the time that goes by, he's aging. You never know. I think he will waste a good part of his career playing for a team that's just fighting to be average. And so if he had to do it over, I think he would not sign that deal because when he signed it, it was like smoke and mirrors. That was a different team that was being represented at that time. I'm going to forget it. 
And although I think he's very ticked off in the circumstances, and first off, he's been paid, which every quarterback wants. Second of all, how many realistic better teams were going to take a shot at Deshaun Watson in the offseason if he was a free agent? Third, I think his life can get a lot better depending on who they bring in as the head coach. People have been talking, Dabo Sweeney, I think Eric Bieniemy should be a top candidate for this, but you go out there and you get yourselves a great head coach and a good general manager for that team. I think you could be talking about something in two to three years back to contending with Deshaun Watson rather than pretending. I'm forgetting it. What? Deshaun Watson signed this contract on September 5th. They traded DeAndre Hopkins on March 16th. Like he knew what was mm-hmm. coming. He knew that when he was resigning, yeah, but there did would he be really though. Look at what Bill O'Brien did, like to this team. Yeah, he he signed this contract a month ago. Like all of that had already happened. Everything, all of the trades, the resigning, the draft picks. We all knew about all of that stuff already. Deshaun Watson was aware of everything that Bill O'Brien was doing to crumble the franchise. And he resigned. All right. So does he regret it? Well, I hope not. Otherwise, why did you resign? It's been a month. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. The only thing that's changed now is he's rid himself of the issue. Like the problem was Bill O'Brien. And now that problem ceases to exist for Deshaun Watson. He's going to get a better head coach. He's going to get somebody in there. Fingers crossed that knows what the hell they're doing with the general manager side of things. So I don't think he regrets this just yet. All right. One more quickie for you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. Guys, bet it or forget it. Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, Colton Wong. At least one of those three will not be back with the Cardinals next season. Wayno, Yadi, and Wong, one of the three will not be back next season. Better to forget it, Jamie. Wong's still got another year left on his deal, right? It's a t- team option for 12 and, and a half million. million. Yeah. What was he making this year? Oh, about the same. Okay. So the better to forget it is that well, one of them will be gone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forget it. I think the, all three of them will be back. I think that Mo has a uh, hard cost on what Colton Wong is, knows exactly what it's going to cost him to keep him. Um, I think that Wayno, I think they have a really good idea of where they could get him at. Yachty, to me, is going to be a bit of the wild card in all of this, depending on how he views himself financially. But I think John Mozeliak brings all three back and just gets through it this way, too. You know what you've got, right? It's better than trying to go out and replace guys with patchwork for your franchise. You know what you've got, specifically in the two top guys in Wayno and Yachty. And Colton Wong, by all accounts, is a good cardinal, uh, does things the right way, plays hard. His teammates like him. So, yeah, I'm going to say I, I forget it. I think they'll all be here. Yeah, I forget it as well. I think the only realistic one would be Colton Wong. And I know people say, well, Yachty and Wayno are the unrestricted, but you're not moving on from those so you're doing whatever you can and even with Colton Wong look your identity is defense first your identity's pitching you can't give up Colton Wong and then not bring in another bat and say we're going to contend got to keep one or the other so I'm going to forget it all three will be back I think all three are back but I I'm really going to be interested I don't know when the press conference is scheduled I don't know if it has been scheduled yet for John Mosellock in his like postseason exit interview basically is the way that they always do it same one that we heard yesterday from the Cubs with Theo Epstein and David Stearns with the Brewers. He'll have one of those. I would imagine either this week or next, John Mosellock will. I'm very curious to hear what the tone sounds like in that exit interview. What what does he say about the payroll for next year? Is it going to be a priority for them to slash some of that payroll? Because if it is, it's a very clear option. You just decline the option on Colton Wong and you save yourself $11.5 million. It's a $1 million buyout for a $12.5 million contract. I... 
I'm going to be interested to see what that is. But as of today, I'm still going to say forget it. I think all three are back for next season. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We asked JR earlier today, does he expect the Blues to shed some salary tonight? This is kind of one of the last uh, opportunities for them to do so prior to Friday. Will the Blues shed salary during this NHL draft? We'll answer that for you coming up next. And what does it mean if the Blues don't bring back Alex Petrangelo? It's all coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. A lot of wheeling and dealing trades happen at the draft and this one's going to be virtual so it's a little bit different you know Doug Armstrong can't get up walk 20 feet and make a deal like he's done in the past but if you see some wheeling and dealing at this draft perhaps it's uh, creating room for Alex Petrangelo to be re-signed so we'll continue to to monitor that and and perhaps something in the next couple days could be connected to what they do with Alex Petrangelo. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was JR yesterday on the fast lane talking about Alex Petrangelo's future here in St. Louis and how it could be tied to what we see from the Blues activity-wise tonight. Jamie, this is one of the last opportunities, really, for the Blues to be able to open up some cap space by trading, shedding salary from one of the current players on the roster to be able to re-sign Alex Petrangelo before he officially hits the market on Friday. Let's start with this. Do you think that anything's going to happen tonight for the Blues via trade? And if so, what should we expect for, for Blues fans out there? Yeah, it's, it's look, it's such a tough call. I do think that all these things could be linked together. And if Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis Blues feel like there is a deal to be had, with Alex Petrangelo, well, certainly you got to look at trying to shed some salary somewhere. Now, does it imperatively have to happen over the draft, which will be tonight and tomorrow night? No, it doesn't have to. You still have some runway after that. But ideally, teams that are at the draft tables and that will be conducting the first round tonight and then the rest of it tomorrow night, they're going to want to make a move now to try and establish a couple things. One, where they are financially for next year, what their team looks like, and two, what do they look to draft, right? It could affect players that you draft at that time. So, yeah, I don't have I don't have a lean one way or the other whether it'll happen. I think sometimes these, these trades happen organically in the moment where one player is taken. Maybe somebody else makes a trade, and all of a sudden that changes the landscape for your division, your conference, and now you feel like, hey, I need to compete and get player X, Y, or Z, or I need to get rid of player X, Y, or Z because of these things here. It's it's on it's I guess it's it's tough to figure it out, but I do expect a lot of action throughout the NHL. This is the time, too, when you see trades. This is the time that you see those big time trades happen, the the days of the draft, because once you hit free agency, it's rare to see big names be moved around. Um, unless it's a player for player trade. This is the one where you attach draft picks and you can get better selections. It's going to be tough because like JR mentioned with us, Tyler Bozak is the name that is going to pop up on everybody's list. That is the one that you expect the blues to move. And it's being reported now that there are so many restricted free agents that aren't getting offers guys who are going to be traded because they're making look at Tyler Johnson, who was a part of the Stanley cup championship team. He's making $5 million in there and he's going to be traded away. So to move a Tyler Bozak is going to be difficult. I think 
and a lot of people aren't in on the draft because the players are so hard to predict, like unlike the NFL and NBA, it really comes down to if there's a player that's dropped in the draft that nobody selected that a team really wants. I mean, go back to when the Blues traded for that 31st pick uh, to Pittsburgh and moved Ryan Reeves. They got Sunquist, but they wanted Clem Costin. So if a player's like that is available, that's when you can see a team calling the Blues saying, hey, you got the 26th pick. We need this. But it's so rare to see a player drop that far down that has high expectations in the NHL. I also wonder if you can make a deal like whoever the guy is, right? Whether you think it's got to be Jaden Schwartz or Bozak or Justin Falk, as you brought up earlier today, Jamie, in a, in a pure salary dump where maybe you do Justin Falk in a first rounder and somebody else gives you a third rounder in return. And you are basically saying, hey, here's a first round pick to take on this contract and we'll just whatever you can give us in return, we'll take it. Whatever that is, the salary dump that you want to look at. Can you do that? Can you make that move if you're Doug Armstrong without knowing for certain that you're going to be able to bring back Alex Petrangelo? Because at least from what's been reported, and we talked to JR earlier today, I heard him on the fast lane yesterday. There's no indication that these two sides have met again since the last time that it was reported that they were kind of ending, quote unquote, negotiations and allowing Petro to hit free agency starting on Friday. If the Blues don't know what the number is, if they have not come to an agreement yet of, hey, if we can meet this, are we good? I don't think you can make that deal tonight because you got to know for sure that Petro is going to be back. Otherwise, you're just trading whoever that guy is, Schwartz, Bozak, Falk, whoever, without knowing for sure that you're actually going to be able to get back your captain. So I I think you've got to have that certainty first before you make the big move in a, in a trade like that tonight. Yeah, and that's why we, we circle back to what we had the discussion with JR is that's why I asked him, will tonight and tomorrow night be a clear indicator of what the Blues plans are for Petro? I think they do. I think I, I think sorry, let me rephrase it. I think it is an exact tell because if you are looking to move Bozak or Schwartz or Falk or even Scandella, like JR suggested, who could possibly be in play. If you make a move like that, which is significant, I think you're telling the hockey world that we're close to a deal on Petro, or you may even have one already done. But if you don't make any moves like that and you just proceed status quo and make your draft pick, maybe a couple of minor little deals here and there, then I think you're telling the hockey world this the reverse message on that one, too, saying, yeah, we don't have a deal with Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, if you go out there and try and sign some more offense, which, of course, this team needs with or without Petrangelo with no Tarasenko, but if you go out there and you bring on salary of an offensive player, that is a tell in itself. And I think if you move Tyler Bozak, even if these sides have not talked, I still think it's the tell because, look, the the holdup right now is is the – the confirmed money, basically the salary, the, the bonus, yeah, the bonus signing bonus and the no movement clause. That's the part that's holding this up, at least from what the reports are. They can meet the money problem. No issue. So if you're going to move money and open up that much salary, that's the tell of, look, we'll get this done regardless. Everybody needs to back off. He's got a good agent, right? We we oh, know man. this much on me and him. It's the Scott Boris of the hockey world, right? Which is good and bad all at the same time. The (laughs) reason why I even bring that up is because if the Blues do make that move tonight, and that's the tell, right? That they... Let's say it's Bozak. He's the one that goes, and now you've got about $10.5 million of salary cap space to work with between now and whenever the start of the regular season ultimately comes. Well, if I'm his agent, if I'm Alex Petrangelo's agent, I can kind of ask for whatever I want, within reason, ask for whatever I want to, because I've got you over the barrel. You, you have now indicated to the entire hockey world, we are bringing back Alex Petrangelo. So maybe that 
quote unquote discount goes from 8.25 to, hey, we got to get 8.75 and yeah. we want to structure it in our way. It wouldn't happen that way specifically because they have a certain confidence there. It would be like a used car salesman swooping in and Don Meehan's reputation is not that of a used car salesman. And you have to realize too that Army at that point is going to say, well, look, we just made a qualifying offer to Vince Dunn. At minimum, he's going to accept this one at two point whatever and we need some wiggle room. We may be entertaining other moves. This is not a clear indication that we're bringing back Alex Petrangelo. But it is. We, we all know that. Let's just say it won't happen because what happens is the hockey world has very, very good memories about either GMs who do agents and players wrong or about agents and players who do franchises wrong. And that will come back and bite you in the rear for Don Meehan, who has way too many players out there in the market. It ain't worth it. And he's already losing players along the way here. Yeah, Schwartz just left him. Schwartz left him. Shen left him. It's listen, he is aggressive. And I think he's taken a little pee pee whack over the last couple of years because I was about to say that that relationship clearly already isn't good with Doug Armstrong. It's not so great. Maybe you say, Hey, for, for all of that crap that you pulled from his view, right? Not, not mine, but from, from his view as an agent, all of the stuff that you pulled last off season with my clients, I'm going to go ahead and get you back here. <laughs> I also think there's an extra 500 K that I need per year on Alex Petrangelo. I deal. also think too, like if, if Petro's expressed his interest in getting it done, I don't think he's going to want to go in there and say, Hey, make sure we get an extra, you know, 0.7 million dollars or something yeah. on this. Like, I think that at least from my understanding, these negotiations left at a point where there was, there was building blocks, like pillars have been set of where this is at. Now it's just a matter of kind of putting those bricks in place of building the house and that's why i think if they open up the money that would be the easy way to get it done to put a bow on this at the end of it we we as hockey fans have to remember that alex petrangelo personally has never been through this he's never been cut he's never been traded i mean we're talking like from minor hockey this guy's never experienced a situation like this this is stressful for him stressful for his wife yeah. they have four kids now they've got the dogs they've got like there's a lot going on so when we talk about the offers and the respect factor and all that it really does come into play because a player that's never been traded or cut or dealt or anything like that, you're not callous yet to the industry. And it feels like you're being cut fresh every time. And he hasn't been through that. So that's one of the X factors. This in is this. probably the first time in his hockey life that he hasn't been the guy that has been 100 or hasn't felt like he is 100% wanted by whoever it is that he yeah. is seeking. Right. Like it's he a was a top feeling. five pick in the NHL draft. Yep. He got everything he wanted from the blues. They, they made him the captain in his junior war- hockey life. I would imagine he played for the team that he wanted to play for. He got to have the role that mm-hmm. he wanted. Number one defenseman any of these things he's always gotten what he wanted and now he's in a negotiation where the other side is telling him eh we think so but give us a little bit of time we kind of need to think on this or a they're acting bit. like well, tough. we're okay to move on without you and it hurts guys i'm telling you i've been across that say, table. how hard how hard is it to come with to terms with that as a player though what's really hard is to overlook all of it if you decide to stay Right. It's really hard to overlook it. It's like a bad relationship where people somebody makes a bad decision. It goes horribly wrong. And then you decide to stay together. You don't automatically forget forget about that horrible time. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Going to be a big night for the St. Louis Blues in the NHL draft. We will certainly have you covered tomorrow about whatever happens tonight right here on Rivers and BK from 11 to 2 on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We 
with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. So, guys, over the weekend, I was looking out on Twitter and I was watching some of the games. You know, the Browns had a really compelling game against the Cowboys, right? Their offense looks incredible. They're scoring all of these points. As a fan, you would think, as you know, Jamie, down in Jerry World, they've got the fans in the stands right now. <laughs> yes, they do. And there was a picture of a sad Browns fan. It's like, that's weird. Why is this guy upset while he's sitting there watching his team put up a 50 burger on the Dallas Cowboys? And then you look over a little bit to his right in the picture and there are 14 Miller Lights that have been consumed by this gentleman during the course of the football game. Again, how many? 14, one four. That's Miller a Wednesday Lights afternoon for ribs that have yeah, been kind consumed of the warm up, really. That's like during the NFL practice. game. Now, this became a bit of a <laughs> meme and people were questioning. And I'm glad that you said that, Jamie. <laughs> people were questioning. Is this impressive? Is this an impressive feat? Now, it is over three hours. You've got the entire NFL game. You know, these can last a while. Certainly that one had plenty of scoring to last a long time. Is it impressive to consume 14 beers, 14 Miller Lights over the course of an NFL game, Jamie? I don't feel it's all that impressive, to be honest. What, I mean, three and a half hours? Yeah. Three and a half hours. So, so you're going like four and, and a half, half, four and a half an hour. But how, did he pregame? Did he have some before kickoff? Yeah. What did he have? If you're drinking 14 beers during the game. I feel like you probably pregame. Yeah. The game. So, so we're talking maybe six hours. I hate to be that guy, but I just, I'm not impressed. Jamie, when you go on a float trip, yeah. have you been on a float trip before? I guess that's a good starting point. I have been point. on a few, a couple that were really fun and a couple that were nightmares. Do you remember any of them? The ones that were fun, I don't. The ones that I do remember were bad ones. What is the Jamie Rivers alcohol packing that is done for a float trip? 30 beers. 30 pack? Yeah. 30 pack. Bud Light? Usually, I like a Bud cans? Select. Cans. You got to go cans. Yeah. You fit way more into your cooler. You're not even allowed to have stone. gas on the river. You do stone cold gas. You, go, well, you can always yeah. have gas. You can, you can always have, have gas, gas on the river. A glass on the river. <laughs> go stone cold while you're out there. Pour two at once. It, it's a 30 pack. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I mean, maybe there'll be a couple extras. Maybe there won't. I don't know. All I'm saying is the 14 beers, like, come on. Are you guys impressed? You tell me. I'm a little uh, impressed with paying for 14 beers okay. at an NFL game. That's a better. <laughs> I think that's are. a bigger yeah. argument right there. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the beers, are, even the cans, right? These are the tall boy cans. I oh. should also mention that. These are the 16 ounce, like, tall boy cans as opposed to the aluminum cans, yeah. as opposed to just the 12 ounces. Okay, that's so a little that bit does more impressive. make it a little more impressive. But those things are typically like 10 bucks at an NFL game. This guy spends well, 150 like bucks 40 minimal. bucks at one of these where they got half the people there, too. That is that is a little excessive for me. So I'm more impressed with the fact that he's willing to spend that kind of money on the alcohol than actually consuming the 14 beers I'm, over the course of the game. I'm more disturbed he's paying that much money for 14 <laughs> Miller Lights. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but Very come on. True. At least upgrade to like a Blue Moon or something S- over the course something. of the game. Jamie, what do you got lights? for me today? Oh, my gosh. All right. So we talked about this guy earlier uh, in Alex Correa or Carlos Correa. Sorry. My bad. I know. You were staring at me. It's okay. I was. Actually, I couldn't get that look off my face. Anyways, um, so it's not only current players that have a boy dislike for this guy. CC Sabathia oh. was heard on a podcast recently, and uh, he basically said, "Bleep this guy! Shut the bleep up!" 
and goes on and on and on. We actually have this audio, Jamie. Oh, you do? Well, let's take a listen of CC Sabathia on Carlos Correa. They cheated and then they're mad at us. Like, get the f out of here. It's right. A, it's a f joke. And then you finish under 500 this year. Like, shut the f up. The, the kid's a clown, man. I'm sorry. Okay, one, I'm really impressed that you guys had the audio. Is Mike Ryder staring at my screen here? He's giving you guys tips. I do a little preparation for this year radio show, Jamie Rivers. <laughs> but my goodness. Anyways, so yeah, CC Sabathia goes off on it. Um, you know, Dusty Baker, obviously the, the Astros general manager, has made it clear that he's hoping, you know, that... He's whoop, or he's making clear, not Dusty Baker, CC uh, Sabathia, making sure that he wants the A's to whoop Houston in their upcoming ALDS series. Are you guys in or out on former players taking digs at current players? Love it. Love it, especially when you were a player when they cheated. I got no issue with it whatsoever. The Astros, first of all, I know this is going to be unpopular, are good for baseball. What is happening right now, having a villain, they are a national storyline for baseball. Do you know how hard it is for baseball to crack the mainstream, to get onto SportsCenter it, nationally? It's really difficult. You got to have like a Fernando Tatis type of a scandal in, in terms of like him with the bat flip and all of this stuff, right? That's the way to get on the front page of the national newspapers or to get on the national radio and television shows. Or you got to have something like this where you got somebody cheating. It's got to be a scandal. And the Astros in that way are good for baseball. So, yeah, I got no issue with this whatsoever. Ferrario? Yeah, this is the perfect storyline that you need. And uh he was a part of this. It's not like this guy's 30 years removed from playing in the majors and calling out these players. That's a little bit different. But he different. also may have been part of it on the Yankees side, too. <laughs> yeah. They've were they been in the, the gray area of where they sign stealing or not. Yeah, good enough. Come on. <laughs> That's always been a part of the game. That's totally different that than makes, hitting a trash can down uh, in the... Uh, okay, yeah, good that point. makes it even better if he was a part of it. But no, this is, this is what you're here for. This is why you watch pre and post games. This is why you pay attention to that team because now, if you're a Yankees fan or if you just hate the Astros. Now you're rooting even harder for the Yankees and the athletics. I love it, man. Give I'm it here me, for yeah. it. I, I need more of this in baseball. Mm -hmm. I loved when, when you've got any sort of a clash that is real, like competitive fire between the two teams. That's awesome, man. Trevor Bauer the other day doing the swaggering shoulders as he walks <laughs> off the mound. That's Give Connor me McGregor. more of that. <laughs> yeah. Fernando Tatis flipping his bat against the Cardinals. Yes, please. More of that. Emotion is good in baseball. We want more of it, not less of it. So I'm totally here for it. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Speaking of emotion in baseball, Francisco Lindor is one of the most enjoyable players in the league to watch. We've talked a lot about him, Jamie, and what it would take to trade for Francisco Lindor. Well, CBS Sports put together what could potentially be a package for the Cardinals. It's going to be costly. We'll tell you what that is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. So when you do a live read, oh, yes, live. typically um, you try to pronounce the words correctly. That's that's one of the requirements when we are talking about the wonderful FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app. Typically. Promo code Brandon. You can get your bets in for Lakers versus Heat tonight. Game what was that number promo four. code again? It's uh, 
promo code Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Okay, Make thank sure you. you. Get your gets in. Now, what I wouldn't recommend is doing whatever Jamie during our last commercial break recommended that you do. Here, let's let's take a listen to this, Jamie, because I can't be the butt of every joke. You you got to be involved in this as well. Here's Jamie Rivers during our last commercial break. And the player make miss one where topical pregame super boost in goose. <laughs> what were you going for there? Okay, so one, there's a lot of tongue twisters in some of this stuff, and that's on me i have to be better bottom line be better for boost in goose yes and so what i was trying (laughs) what i was trying to get to is in game boosts and it came basically say say in goosts yeah for boost in goose yep there it is have you ever had that where you try and like you have what you want to say in your mind and it's coming out yeah, that happens. That's never happened to me. I wasn't no. going to go there. But Where, you're about to use two words, and you think of the word after the word you're about to use, yes. and so you mix them together. I do it all the time. I do it with names, too, yes. right? You'll be looking yeah, like me too. we have a rundown in front of us, right? And so I'll be like, <laughs> I want to say Nolan Gorman, right? And yet, because on my on my rundown right here, it says Francisco Lindor, and that's the name that I'm looking at. Nolan I'll Lindor. Say, yeah, Nolan Lindor or, or Francisco Lindor while continuing the conversation about <laughs> Nolan Gorman. Or Golan Norman. Or Golan Norman. <laughs> or Ingus. So yes, speaking Ingus. of Francisco Lindor, we've talked plenty about him this year. We will continue to talk plenty about him until it is officially off the table that the Cardinals could trade for him. Now, we've had a lot of uh, texters, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, uh, give us their ideas of what a trade could look like for what the Cardinals could offer to the Indians for Francisco Lindor services, right? And typically it's something to the extent of, hey, you could give them Austin Dean, Matt Carpenter, and Andrew Miller. And I'm sure they'll right now. That's too much. That's too much. No, if I'm the Indians, I'm doing that deal right now. Yeah, that's too much for the Cardinals to get for Lindor. CBS Sports put together a bunch of different packages from a bunch of different teams, and they basically looked at what the current roster is for those teams. Hey, hey, here are the players that could be of interest for the Indians if the Indians decided to trade Lindor. Here are the guys from the Cardinals. That CBS Sports, again, this is speculation, thinks that the Indians would be interested in. They said DeYoung would probably appeal to Cleveland. Ditto for outfielder Dylan Carlson. Third baseman Nolan Gorman could be of interest. The Cardinals could also float some of their left-handers like Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson, rather, and they could also potentially look into catcher Yvonne Herrera, who is the best probably catching prospect in the Cardinal system right now. He is likely the one that will eventually replace Yadier Molina. So Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, Yvonne Herrera, those are the names, Paul DeYoung as well, that CBS Sports put together as would be interesting for the Indians. All of them together? Not all of them together, but those like, are wait where, a minute. That's your starting point is those types of players. So when hmm. we were talking about this previously and there were a lot of people that wanted to lowball the Indians, that ain't going to work. That's not going to be what the Indians are looking for. So when you hear these kinds of names, Jamie... Does it make you think that maybe this is not as much of an option as we would otherwise like to believe? Yeah, I really don't think it's ever been an option, to be honest. My opinion on this has always been that the Cardinals are not going to do that. They're not going to put themselves out there by, you know, look, Paul DeYoung, he's had some ups and downs. He did have 30 home runs the year prior to this last one. Dylan Carlson's your future. I mean, you've put all this energy and effort into this guy, and you've got financial control over him for a number of years ahead. Right now, 
Why would you give that up for a guy that you're going to be busting the bank for? Um, Nolan Gorman, obviously, to be determined. Matthew Liebertor, to be determined. Zach Thompson, all those guys are prospects, obviously. I don't know. I If I could find a way to make a package involving Paul DeYoung and maybe one of the young prospects and maybe uh, another roster player, I'd be interested in it, but I think the Indians are going to want more than what I'd be willing to part with. Otherwise, you're just back in the same boat. You got to look at where Cleveland's depleted when it comes to depth, and it's pitching. They got they got hitters. They need pitchers, and that's why I think you're talking Levator and Thompson if you're trying to get this done because they're going to want to restock that hole of the pitching prospects. I think when it comes to a Paul DeYoung, you're upgrading there, right? You're losing a bat, but you're gaining a better bat and a better shortstop in Francisco Lindor. That would ima- I would imagine give you the opportunity to keep Paul or Colton Wong at second base, so you still have a great infield, probably better infield. Yeah. You can move on from a Nolan Gorman. Do you want to? No, I don't think so because he's the future. He's supposed to be that bat and third base that you hope for if he's a third baseman and you're not touching Dylan Carlson because that's the other bat that you need. So if you're starting with pitchers, okay, I'm at least listening to it because I'm getting a perennial superstar in return. But if it goes to Dylan Carlson, I'm not listening anymore because that's my bat that you need. You need three bats. He's one of them. Yeah, I... I think sometimes we do this with the teams that we cover is we overvalue the prospects that we have here and we undervalue the players that are elsewhere. So Francisco Lindor is going to cost a lot. And you mentioned him, Ferrario. I think the guy that I am maybe lower than than other lower on than other people seem to be is Nolan Gorman. It's a guy that has struck out a ton so far in his minor league career in 125 games in 2019 and in, in high and low a ball, Jamie. So this is he's not close to the major leagues right now. High and low a ball. He struck out 152 times in 125 games. This is a swing and miss type of a guy. He's going to hit some homers. He's got great power. That's been the scouting report on him since the Cardinals drafted him. So you potentially could have another Tyler O'Neill. Maybe. However, Tyler O'Neill was pretty damn good in the minor leagues. Wasn't and you he? don't even know if Gorman can play third base. I mean, he's he's specifically a third baseman, but they've said that his weak spot when he was drafted was the fact that he really didn't have that much of an arm strength. And he's big. He's a big kid. He's 6'1", 210 pounds, and he's just 20 years old. He's just turned 20 this year. So. What position is that kid they drafted this year in the first round play? Who's Outfield. That? Outfield. But he might be a, a corner. He could be a third infielder as well. Okay. Yeah. Here's another one, too. Um, and I don't know what the the interest is around the league, but Alhiris Montero was on their 40-man roster this year, at least when the season began. He was in spring training with them. Another third baseman, a better defensive third baseman than Nolan Gorman. Maybe not the same bat, but he's been a top-five prospect for the Cardinals system for a really long time. That could be another route to go, and you still have another third baseman, or maybe you move on from Gorman and you have a Montero still. Yeah, the reason why I bring up the name Nolan Gorman is because that's the type of guy that can get you a big trade. Uh, maybe it's not Francisco Lindor. You maybe think, though, if we're dissecting it and we're sitting in here as Jamie that, Rivers, Alex Ferrario, and Brandon Kylie, and we're saying, oh, this guy's numbers aren't very good, you don't think the Indians are looking at that? Uh, well, he's a top prospect yeah. in all of baseball. And P- regardless of the swing and miss, because, you know, we're. We're biased because we've seen Tyler O'Neill, We've seen Randall Gritchick. You've seen that a lot. 
people still see that power like a Luke Voigt and they say, okay, I want to take a shot at this. Baseball America, which is one of the prospects rankings gurus out there, they had him as, speaking of Nolan Gorman, as the number 55 prospect in all of baseball. He's a top 60 prospect in baseball right now. So he is seen as a legitimate power bat out there right now. He is certainly higher in terms of the prospect rankings than Tyler O'Neill was by the time that the Cardinals traded for him. So he could get you quite a bit. He's got some real opportunities. Uh, baseball prospectus another ranking system out there had him as the number 23 prospect in all of baseball so he's highly touted he also comes with a lot of risk the upside is really high the downside is he might not be a regular in major league baseball by the time that his career is all said and done so we don't know what he's going to be the reason i bring him up is because we don't know what he's going to be in the bigs and if the Cardinals want to make a big splash this offseason to go out there and get a big bat, he's somebody who could be the basis for a package because he is so highly thought of. The elsewhere. problem with that is, is what we talked about when we opened the show. You got to you got to be certain that he is not going to be a Luke Voigt in terms of guy who can hit 40 home runs and be an everyday player for you. You got to be able to evaluate talent when it comes to something like that. Granted, we see this, but if you trade somebody like that, and look, you're getting a Lindor, which is still I was great. Say, if the return is that, it's one thing to get a return that's not substantial. But if Anderson you're getting Francisco Cabrera. Lindor, for even if it's a blue chip prospect who ends up being a Luke Voigt, I think you're still okay. What with if the he deal. becomes a superstar, though? Well, you ha- but you're trading for a legitimate superstar. Yeah, but it, you're going to have more length of a superstar in a Nolan Gorman than you are a Francisco but the Lindor. Keys to what you just said is what if? That's there's that's, not a what if for Lindor. Yeah. It's a certainty. You're trading a what if and the potential of having him for a long time for the certainty of having somebody for the right now. Right. And again, Francisco Lindor is a placeholder here. I don't think the Cardinals are going to trade for him. I brought this up because if the Cardinals do make a big deal this offseason, it's going to take some of these guys. It's going to be uncomfortable for the Cardinals to trade Matthew Libertor or Nolan Gorman or Paul DeYoung, whoever the guy is. Right. They're going to have to include somebody that you leave that trade thinking, oh, That made me a little uncomfortable. It's not going to be a Doug Armstrong trade where you trade a bunch of dudes that you didn't really want on the roster anyways, and you get back a superstar. That rarely happens, especially in Major League Baseball, where most of these general managers now are so analytically inclined. And so they are they they don't like the risk taking and they're going to want something big in return if they're getting rid of one of their superstars. And I know they're very different with Goldschmidt and Lindor, but you could run into a situation where Cleveland Cleveland's going to get something for him. But Cleveland could say, hey, we just need to get something for him rather than nothing when it comes to walking away next Mm -hmm. year after free agency. So maybe you pull off a deal like you did with the Arizona Diamondbacks and you put in a Carson Kelly, who is a top prospect. Maybe you put in a Libertor, Thompson, Gorman, and that's the biggest part of it. And then you can just kind of add some pieces. You could get that. What is the financial situation like in Cleveland? Because that could be a tell as well to where if they're really strapped financially, they may be way more inclined to look at prospects and just move Lindor on. They shed a lot of salary this past year, trading away Corey Kluber and moving Clevenger. And um, it's the only reason why Lindor's even available yeah. is because they're they're unlikely to resign. Okay, him so because of the money, financially motivated to move away from some big contracts. Yeah. That could benefit whoever's in the running for That's that. That's why I brought up Jose Ramirez's name, too, if they decide to go that route. He's cheaper. Ramirez has a good deal, though. That's yeah. the thing. He, he's a really good player on a team-friendly mm-hmm. deal. That That's one of the most valuable contracts in all of baseball. So if yeah. you're the Indians, that's the guy you want to build around, and right? you just get rid of Lindor, yeah. Right. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Why is the Patriots coaching tree so poisoned? Why can't anybody that is an assistant in New England work out elsewhere? 
I think I've got one thing in particular that leads to that. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You know, he's the GM. He's the head coach. He's in charge of every decision. He, I mean, he's invested with great power in the organization. And as Spider-Man fans know, with great power comes the responsibility to not start 0-4 after you trade away your best players. So they have about $250 million in cash invested in player costs this year. It's a, it's a league high. They owe their first and second round picks to the Dolphins, the Tunsil trade. They're 0-4. I mean, we, all his decisions have resulted in an 0-4 start and playoff disappointments. It's the kind of thing that gets you fired. That was Dan Graziano on ESPN earlier today. Bill O'Brien gone, officially out in Houston. Yeah, He's no that's longer. That's hard to believe. I can't imagine coach, why they did that. General manager, football czar. All around did it six months too late. All around guru. Bill O'Brien consolidated all of the power down in Houston and then traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson in a second round pick, traded Jadeveon Clowney for a third round pick, gave up a first and second round picks for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, then paid Laramie Tunsil more than $20 million per year to be an average NFL offensive tackle, and then followed all of that up by trading a second round pick for Brandon Cooks, who I'll have to look up the numbers, but I know uh, offhand because I have him on my fantasy team, has been atrocious Not great so far this season, and that has been an absolute disaster of a trade for the Patriots, or excuse me, for the Houston Texans. Oh, he's throwing shade that, at the Patriots. That's the thing that I said that I do sometimes yeah. where I'm looking at something don't and then you, I say Don't you it. use the Patriots name unless it's pertinent to this and unless it's positive. Okay, I think we need to just start calling that uh, pulling a ribs. In four games this year, what? Brandon Cooks and has... And the player make miss one where topical pregame super boost in goose... In four games this year, Brandon Cooks has 10 receptions for 130 yards. Been awful. (laughs) Not good. So Bill O'Brien is gone as a result. And Jamie, this is just the latest in a long line of former Patriots assistant coaches who have gone on elsewhere to have their own team and have failed immensely. I think I have an idea, and I would be curious what you guys think about this. I have an idea as to why this continues to happen. I think assistant coaches see the way that Belichick goes about it and they try to emulate that same thing elsewhere. Belichick has complete control in New England. He is the general manager. He is the head coach. Everything that happens on the football side of the operations filters through Bill Belichick because he's Bill Belichick. (laughs) Nobody else is Bill Belichick. Bill O'Brien, you're not Belichick. Romeo Cornell, you're not Belichick. These other uh, uh, assistants that have gone elsewhere, Matt Matt Patricia, you ain't Belichick. All of these guys seem to go elsewhere and try to use the same system. Joe Judge, who's having his players run laps after they do any sort of mistake in the offseason. You ain't Belichick, bruh. And so if you're not Bill Belichick, you can't be the guy that goes out there and gets your groceries and puts them onto the field and implements your scheme unless you're awesome at all of it. Belichick is so special, so unique because he has all of those skills. These other guys do not. And when they try to implement the same way, the same system that Belichick has in New England, they fail as a result. Because if you're not Belichick, you can't do it that way. Yeah, and a lot of people make that mistake in in pro sports is they see, you know, one formula work and they're like, woof, that's what I have to be. And that's the biggest mistake you can make because when it's not 100% who you are, players see through it. Trust me. You know, and Mike Keenan, we had this discussion in in the office this morning with Randy Mm Carricker. 
Mike Keenan always wanted to be Scotty Bowman. They had ties going back all the way to St. Lawrence University where Mike Keenan went to college there. Scotty Bowman did. It was like he had this obsession with wanting to be Scotty Bowman. Let's be honest here. Scotty Bowman was a quirky dude. He did some weird stuff over the years. Like, I remember practices in Detroit. He came out, brought a steel chair and sat center ice (laughs) and directed traffic. But Scotty Bowman did that. So when Mike Keenan tried to do it, it didn't work. And so when we get back to the topic here of Bill Belichick and the guys that work under him, they see how successful little quirky things or hard-nosed things are for Bill Belichick, and they put it in their little notebook, but it's not necessarily who they are. And the players see through it. Like Matt Patricia trying to do the cutoff sleeves, the hat backwards, the whole Bill Belichick football is my life. Players are like, easy, little Bill. Yeah. Easy, little Bill. You know, yeah. and it, they Don't see through it. Little Bill. And it just doesn't seem to translate for their team. I wonder, if too, if, if it's it's glorified Patriots assistant coaches, right? Like, it, the same thing happened with McDaniels. I mean, they gave him the shot as the head coach, and it didn't work. And next thing you know, he's back in with Bill Belichick in New England. But it's it's the glorified Did assistant coaches. coach? Who? McDaniels. Uh, yeah, he coached with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and it didn't work out. And it was, he was terrible. And he was That's back he with Belichick. So it, it's, it's... Oh, yeah, I remember that. You're back Sorry. to the glorified... You made me nervous. I'm like, I think I know what no, I'm talking he about. Also, then he was going to take another job and then reneged the on it. To yeah. And stayed so with that's the Patriots. Where, but it's that glorified Patriots where it's like, oh, yeah, these guys can these guys can lead a team. They've done it with... But Bill Belichick leads these guys. Like, Bill, Belichick is the shepherd. They're the sheep. He tells them what they're doing. Then they can't go be the shepherd somewhere else because they're still the sheep. I remember with Mike Babcock in Detroit. Everyone wanted to be like Babcock. His assistant coaches because of the success. Paul McClain, Pete DeBoer, all of these Detroit Red Wings assistants, they go and struggle. Now, DeBoer has had success, but he's never won the Stanley Cup. Babcock struggles because he can't be Scotty Bowman. Like, everyone wants to be who they're working with, but what they don't understand is those guys are legends for reasons. They're the ones that lead the pack, and everyone just learns while they're there. And I think what Bill Belichick does a really good job of is he gets the best out of each individual coach. And then when you put it all together, it works, right? So I think the misconception sometimes is you look at the defense, and you go, wow, their defensive coordinator, like Matt Patricia, for example, this guy must be some kind of a guru, right? Because look at the Patriots year after year after year, although Matt Patricia wasn't a great defensive coordinator. Terrible. Still, the Patriots did well, right? But they did well because Matt Patricia made decisions. But who was the one who had to veto everything? Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Comes up with the game plan. Exactly. And same with Josh McDaniels. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's done great things, specifically in the latter years for Tom Brady, where they made chicken salad out of, you know what I'm talking chicken about? Bleep. Yep. Yeah. So, but again, him alone on an island without Belichick to hover over him or combine other things, I think that you find out quickly just how valuable Bill Belichick is. And the most common issue that all of these guys seem to run into is they don't want the big personalities in their locker room because in the Patriot, everything's the Patriot way, right? Randy Moss goes into that locker room and suddenly he's eating the humble pie by his locker. <laughs> yeah. You get Corey Dillon in there and suddenly he's the perfect Patriot. You, you bring in Chad Ochocinco for a little while and he even played the part of the New England Patriots. They get you off of Twitter. They stop you from doing all of the off-field stuff. Heck, Antonio Brown was a model citizen for for that week and a half <laughs> only a week and a half for, but he was he was yeah while he was there while he was there and so you get into the locker room and bill has everything in order 
and he can bring in other guys and everything's in order. These other guys go out elsewhere. So you've got Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniel, Jim Schwartz, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Romeo Cronell. These are the guys that have left the system and have gone on to fail elsewhere. They go elsewhere and the same thing doesn't happen for them. These star players are actually showing their personality. They're not falling into line the way that they're supposed to, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. under Bill Belichick. And so instead of trying to work with them and, you know, making it work because that's what you're supposed to do as a head coach, you end up with a situation like in Houston where Bill O'Brien ships off DeAndre Hopkins because he's like, you know what? This guy's not doing exactly what I want at all times of the day, even when it's the offseason. I can't work with him. He needs to go elsewhere. Bill Belichick makes it work, finds a way to make that work. But Bill O'Brien down in Houston cannot. And so then they ship him out. And it's the same thing that happened in Detroit. All of those good players that have a little bit more to them, a little bit of an edge, maybe they're out of Detroit now. And you end up with a a roster that's watered down and you get a lot of yes men, a lot of guys on the roster that are um, high IQ, try hard types of guys. And now you lose a bunch of games. At the end of the day, guys, and I would say the same for Andy Reid, and heck, I'd even put for Andy Reid, and heck, I'd even put Pete Carroll in this category. I think they've those types of guys have established a really solid staff for a reason. If you look at Andy Reid and what he's done there, and we talk about guys leaving Kansas City, maybe potential head coaches in the future, we'll see to be determined because at the end of the day, they have Andy Reid. They, but that's the thing that's weird is Andy's coaching tree is really successful. Yeah. He's one of the guys that his guys seem to go elsewhere. Maybe he helps nurture those guys more. I don't know if Bill Belichick, like his 20,000 hours or $20,000 is what his starting pay is for his assistant Mm -hmm. coaches. Didn't Andy come from the Bill O'Brien tree? Or I'm sorry, the Bill O'Brien tree. That's an insult. The Bill Belichick tree? No, he came from the West Coast system. Okay. I wasn't sure about that either. But I just say that Bill Belichick, for the one thing that he does do, and I know people are probably vomiting everywhere right now at the Patriots talk. I'm loving it, by the way. But... (laughs) Bill Belichick, I believe he removes all emotion from his decisions and the way he operates. So therefore, it is always just nothing but business, whereas some of these other guys like Bill O'Brien, and all they try to make these moves, it comes off as hot-headed or emotional, whereas when Belichick does it, it's like, well, this is just business. We're just doing this. And you, you get to see what your part of that organization is, right? If you're the offensive coordinator, you see that part of it. You don't see what Bill Belichick does on the personnel side of things. You don't see what he does whenever he's behind closed doors with some of his players having the conversations that need to be had man-to-man, right? You see your individual aspect of your part of this team is doing this from 6A to 9A, and then this from 9A to 11A. And Belichick has all of that doled out. He's got everything put into pieces as to who needs to be doing what at what time. And nobody gets to see the full thing other than Belichick. And so whenever you leave his system, you got a piece of it and you think, you know, the whole thing, but you don't know the whole thing. And so you go elsewhere and you think you're doing the right thing. And it, it, it doesn't end up being that six, five, seven, eight. Oh, is the air comfort service tax line from the three Oh nine guys. Football isn't really my expertise, but I think saying these, or I don't think saying these coaches are unsuccessful because they're not bell. Belichick is breaking news. Fair point, sir. However, I do think it is interesting <laughs> that these guys continue getting jobs. The assistance from this Belichick coaching tree. And you know, who's going to be a hot name next year, Josh McDaniels. He's going to be a hot name 
for until he finally gets that job or he finally gets Bill Belichick's job. He's going to be a head coach somewhere, I would think, next year. He's going to get a job. And guess how it's going to go? Poorly. Because it always goes poorly with these New England disciples. The only one that has kind of gotten away from that mold is Brian Flores down in Miami. Yeah, I was going to say. I do think he's going to be a good head coach. I think he's a good one because he does his own thing. But he's also been put in a situation where he's been able to grow with that team. Sure. And I, I, I think he... He is his own man in a way where he's not trying to emulate what Belichick was in New England. He has a general manager that general manager there in Miami that he trusts, and he's going to go along with whatever that GM does on the personnel side. He's going to take care of the coaching. That's different than what a lot of these guys try to do elsewhere. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Are we sure that the Cardinals are going to be able to go out there and get a big bat this offseason? We'll play a game of Are We Sure? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line that's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Get in for Are We Sure? Let's. I want to answer this question first from the 314. Guys, what are your thoughts on possibly trying to acquire Jorge Soler from Kansas City? It seems like they've been trying to extend him for two years now, and it hasn't come to pass. I, Cardinals fans, you don't want Jorge Soler. Jorge! <laughs> that, that is not the route that you want to go down. He's Why not? Got he hits home runs. A He's lot a of royal, homers. Though. 33 home runs. He has a, a lot royal. of homers. He strikes out a ton. He's a your royal, favorite player, BK. He's a royal strikeout. Get royal flush. Oh, Jorge Soler is a perfectly fine player. Cardinals fans would despise him. He's better than Harrison Bader. He, he is. He's better than Dexter Fowler. <laughs> he is better oh, than Harrison Ferrario Bader. Ferrario swinging. I'm, I'm actually on the set. Don't get him. I don't want him. Yeah. It, he's, <laughs> then shut up. He's an okay DH, but he's... <laughs> that's They've got to do better than that. If they only had one bat this offseason... If he's part of a two-bat offseason upgrade... Man, now we're maybe we're talking a little bit, but he can't be the one acquisition that they make. Are we sure, Jamie? Are we sure that the Cardinals actually need to bring in a big bat to be the best team in the division next season? No, I am not sure of that because we talked about it earlier. If the Cubs clean house, if the Reds got to get rid of some salary, and the Brewers have already talked about shedding some of their salary. Well, being average might just make you the best. And when you have the pitching that the Cardinals do have and the run prevention, if you get a couple of swings here and there, you're winning some games. doesn't have to be beautiful. doesn't have to be a Picasso. Right, Alex? Picasso was an artist. In Anyways, uh, right. yeah, I think that the Cardinals can compete without doing anything. should be my tagline. Being average could mean you're the best. Could be. I could remember that someday. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure. Hold on, I forgot where I was for a couple of seconds. Are we sure Alex no. is actually paying attention? <laughs> no, I'm not sure on that because, look, I mean, you can compete for the best in the division without bringing in another bat, but you're not the clear cut. I, I mean, pitching-wise, you are, but offensively, you were still really bad, and we all saw what happened against a bullpen of the Padres, which was the weak spot of the San Diego Padres team was their bullpen, and you couldn't get a run off of them. Regardless, if let's say the Cubs move Bryant and Schwarber and keep Baez and Rizzo, they're still a better offensive team than you. I think the Cincinnati Reds are still a better offensive team than you, despite being shut out in their games. They weren't exactly. I think you could be competitive in the division without a bat, but I don't think you're a clear-cut favorite. I think you're still going to be competing, and it's still going to be a bunch of question marks. Yeah, I'm not sure at all that the Cardinals need a big bat to be the best team in the division next year. I think they could be that absolutely without adding anything of substance of substance rather to this team going into next season. 
And I think that because I think the Cubs are going to downgrade from where they were this year. I think the Reds are going to be worse than they were this year. I don't think Trevor Bauer is going to be back. And I think the Milwaukee Brewers, based on what their general manager, David Stern, said yesterday, I think they're going to cut some salary. So they will likely be worse next year than they were this season. The only other team that we haven't mentioned is the Pirates. And we all know they aren't going to be competing for the division title next year. That kind of leaves the Cardinals. If we talked about the Pirates, would we have to say, are you sure? I'm going to turn off his mic, BK. (laughs) Turn off his mic. You are one pathetic loser. (laughs) 65780 is the air comfort service text line for Are We Sure? You got him like you got me on Friday. (laughs) That one tickled me. (laughs) Are we sure that the Texans job is a good one, guys? I saw a lot of this last night on Twitter. People saying basically, hey, listen, I know they've got Deshaun Watson, but no first round pick, no second round pick next year. You don't have the same roster talent that some of these other teams around the league have. Guys, are we sure that the Texans' job is a good one for whoever the next head coach is going to be? No, I'm not sure. But the only thing I can say for sure, if I am sure, and are we sure, is um, what (laughs) is that whoever goes in there will have a little bit of runway ahead of them because I think you just fired a guy because he did such a poor job of managing your draft picks, assets, signings, whatever you're doing, right? So the next guy who takes over as the head coach you're going to give him some runway. You're going to give him a chance. You're going to have Deshaun Watson. You're going to talk about how do we acquire some guys to build around Deshaun Watson. He's our future. So it might actually be a good spot to be because you're going to be in like a rebuild without being a team that's looking at or other people looking at as, oh, they're just a rebuild. You get your own way of doing things. So like Bill Parcells said way back in the day, if you're going to make the meal, you'd like to be able to shop for the groceries. I think the next guy will have the option of helping pick some of the groceries. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we love it. you you got a clean slate with that, right? Like you're going in. You don't have standards to live up to because Bill O'Brien was so bad. Like you're starting fresh with this team with a franchise quarterback. You got money if you decide to go into free agency to bring in some wide receiver help, uh, some offensive line help. And I would imagine whoever the GM is going to be is going to find a way to get some type of draft pick compensation for this upcoming draft. So I'd, I'd love the position if I'm a head coach wanting to be in the NFL. Terrible spot for next year. Oh, like, geez. No question about it. It's a, They have no money. They have, they, they, are, they have the highest payroll in all of football this year in terms of the cash they're spending on their current roster because they handed out so many big-time deals. They also have no first-round, no second-round pick. I, I get all of that. It's a great situation for whoever the next head coach is here's why you have your quarterback what do all of these teams when when a head coaching vacancy comes open typically you're looking for whoever that quarterback is and so you get lined up with whoever that rookie quarterback is that's available at your draft slot and then you're tied to them for the entire time that you're in that job if that quarterback fails you likely are gone That's kind of how it goes with these jobs. You don't have a franchise quarterback. You go get one, and then you're tied to that guy. And if he works, you can keep that job. If he doesn't work out, you're getting fired. And that's the way that it goes. In Houston, you don't have to worry about that. You have your quarterback already there. Deshaun Watson is great. Top 10 quarterback in the league. He's going to be with you for at least the next five years. He's already under contract for those five seasons. This is what everybody else is looking for. You have it. These jobs rarely come open. I was looking at this yesterday. Top 10 quarterbacks in their prime that have come open in terms of jobs. Maybe you could say Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, but he was almost kind of past his prime whenever that job came open for Matt LaFleur. Otherwise, I mean, the Cowboys last year with Dak Prescott, if you think he's a top 10 guy, that was a job. 
in the last decade, I can't think of any others that have come open with a quarterback like this on the roster already. It's a great job. Not just a good one, a great one for whoever the next coach is. Last one. We'll do this really quickly. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line for Are We Sure? Jamie, are we sure that the Blues are a playoff team if they don't bring back Alex Petrangelo for next season? Wow, that's a tough one. I'm not sure they are. And here's why. Tarasenko, out. How long? We're not sure. Does he come back the same player? We're not sure. Alex Petrangelo, your number one defenseman, your quarterback on the first unit of the power play, everything inclusive on that one, he's not going to be back. Jake Allen isn't back. What does your backup goalie look like? How does Jordan Bennington handle all the pressure now? And then you look at the Central Division, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Look at the Avalanche. The Winnipeg Jets are going to be moving and shaking. The Nashville Predators are going to get better again. The Minnesota Wild, Billy Guerin, you better believe he's improving that team. He's already making moves to do that. So, in my opinion, yeah, it's the ro- the mountain is that much steeper for the Blues without Alex Petrangelo. And it wouldn't be shocking. It would be so disappointing and heartbreaking, but it wouldn't be shocking to see them on the outside looking in. Yeah, I'm going to stick with I'm sure they're a playoff team, but I think they're a number eight playoff team without Petra. Like, I think you're squeaking into the playoffs. I'm going off of coaching alone. The coaching staff has gotten the best out of this roster. And That's I hope, a hell of a staff. And I hope that with Jim Montgomery, they can find other areas to keep this team moving forward without Petro. It's not going to be easy, but luckily the Pacific is kind of going downward with some of those teams. You know, you don't have the Sharks as the elite team anymore. The Kings aren't there. Yeah, um, Flames and Oilers are trending upward, Flames though. and Oilers, yes. But I still think you can be one of those eight teams in. But I think you're a, a team that's squeaking in in that filed final spot. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all that the Blues would be making the playoffs if they don't bring back Alex Petrangelo. We've said this a few times now, Jamie. It would remind me of what the Cardinals are. You've got a lot of really good players that you like, a good coaching staff. I think we all like Mike Schilt. It's kind of similar to how we all feel about Craig Bruby. Different because mm-hmm. Bruby was a Stanley Cup champion. He brought that cup here. You like what you have, but you would be missing a significant piece. The Blues right now, or without Petrangelo, would be missing that captain, that top number one defenseman. Just like the Cardinals are missing right now, that big bat in the middle of their order. They've got basically everything else. They're missing that superstar. And I think that would be the case as well for the Blues. And I'm also taking into, taking into account, I don't know what Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be next year. I think that's the biggest one for me is you're going to be possibly without him for an extended period of time. And who fills the void and can they fill the void? Mm-hmm. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the crossover coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's cross things over with the fast lane Anthony Stalter in studio. Stalter, what happened to my Chiefs last night? Are the Patriots actually a threat? No. Yes, they didn't they even are. cover. Why you gotta be like that? They didn't even cover. Well, that's because they Brian passed the football Hoyer. to the Chiefs more than they did I realize to the home that. players. If I Cam said, Newton's out there, they win last night. Let's be honest. I don't think they win, but, but they cover. I said yesterday, just take the ten and a half with Bill Belichick. I heard you say that too, and then you went on for your little you're like, when's the last time the Patriots have been the underdog by ten or more points? Yes. <laughs> Do you know the answer? They're four all I know is they're four and oh. Four and oh straight up the last four times that they were double-digit underdogs. Wow. 4-0. I'm surprised huh. it's happened Until four times, last honestly. Night. 
Stupid Patriots or their stupid Brian Hoyer. <laughs> that was it. Just turn, turn around and hand the damn ball off, Brian Hoyer. Well, especially what the one guy, he was trotting down the field. He had 111 yards for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Damian Harris is good. Yeah. That guy's awesome. Franco Harris was great. <laughs> He's, he came back. It's good to go. So you really don't think that they're a threat in any way, the Patriots no. in the AFC? No. To the Chiefs? To, no. to everybody. I think they're a threat to, to other teams. I don't. I think the don't Chiefs think are the, the best Belichick team. Belichick schemed last night and kind of stymied the offense for the Chiefs, even though it was for a for like one half. Yeah. Don't you think that's concerning a little bit for the Chiefs? No. Andy Reid's hung more points on Bill Belichick's defense than any any coach. Stoltz just walked into this room and just took both of your thoughts and just threw it on the ground and stomped on it. He absolutely boot stomped yeah. my prize. No. So I've got the numbers, by the way. We already, know, we already know that Bill Belichick is is a great schemer. You know For, when the last prior I'm to last scared. night, my feelings are hurt. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Jamie. last time the Patriots were a ten point uh, underdog. Any guesses from you guys? Two thousand and two. Two thousand. No, late. that'd be last year. Weren't they a ten point underdog to the Ravens? No, they no. lost by ten to the uh, Ravens. Well, I was saying Rams Super Bowl. I get a, a ribbon. What? The Super Bowl against the Rams was oh, the last really? time that they were a four a ten or more point underdog. So and they ended up winning that game. Two thousand one. So two thousand two. Yeah, two thousand two. February third of two thousand two was the last time. Oh, one season though, <laughs> give or yeah. take. Yeah. Canada, 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 Canadian wild. Canadian calendar. Two twenty. Whatever yeah. it takes. Oh, it wasn't the new Can- Canadian New Year yet. <laughs> it was the right side last night. It was. Now, it didn't work out. You lost the bet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it was risk-free on FanDuel's Paradise Sportsbook app with the promo code Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. But you, you lost the bet, but it was the right side to be on. That Patriots team is good, man. They've now held – there's only been one team that has held Mahomes scoreless in the first half, and they've done it three times against Mahomes or they, without a touchdown in the first half, and Belichick's done it three times to him. Yeah. It's concerning. They're they're a thorn, but I, I don't see the Chiefs – I don't see anybody stopping the Chiefs. At what point do we talk about going undefeated on both sides season? Here. Yeah. I, oh my I, God! I did it two just weeks ago. BKO'd the Chiefs Uh-oh. two weeks ago. Again? Yeah. Jeez, there you go. You're Come welcome. On. I don't even know if I can BKO this team. They're pretty good. You almost did yesterday. Just did it twice. Two, they ended up winning by 16. There's but two definitive like crap. But there's two definitive things that I know I know right now in the NFL after four weeks. The Chiefs are great by like two miles. And so are the Falcons. And no, Shh. and the Jets are the worst team in the NFL by oh two miles. Do you think the Jets are truly the worst team right yes. now? Yes, hundred percent. I'm trying to figure out in my head who is absolutely the worst team. It's either the, the Jets or the Giants. It's one of those two, and I think it's the Jets. And, and the, the Giants Texans went on the road though. a week ago and gave the Rams everything. The Texans they could are bad. The Texans oh, are bad. The Texans. Watson. The Texans. Yeah, win by 20 against the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> I like seeing They got Frank Gore. The, the, <laughs> That's true, they do. <laughs> the Jets lost to the quarterback that nobody knew how to pronounce his last name. Which McCullough? Um, Rippin. 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 You still just, don't know how to say yeah. it. Brett Rippin. Yeah, yeah Rippin. Brett Rippin. Mark Rippin's son. Or nephew. 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 Something yeah. like that. You saved me on that one. Mark Rippin's daughter's a heck of a quarterback, though. She is. Lingerie league. Well, yeah. Oh, if the Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills in two weeks, that's when we start talking. So about I hear it. the Bills are legit. <laughs> They're really that good. offense is really good. I'm not a huge Josh I don't Allen think fan. So. That's smoke and mirrors for me. I don't. I Josh do not Allen think that's... smoke and mirrors. That guy's just a grenade waiting to explode. He's I, fun. I agree with he that. Fun. He's I fun. Do. He's the most fun quarterback that I have watching on Sundays in the NFL. He used I, to be like Brett Favre. You just expect yeah. the unexpected. Right. Josh Allen's that guy. I could see that. Two weeks ago, I said, you know, Josh Allen's the guy that's, that that somebody's like, hey, listen, you got to. 
Josh Allen, this guy's for real, right? The Bills, they're for real. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then you get to the postseason, and he takes some, you know, 50-yard sack. He does what he did last year. Like he did against Houston. You're like, son of a... He tries to throw left-handed. Why did I bet Josh Allen? Against Deshaun Watson, I made that bet. And it was terrible. It was excruciating the entire game. Right side. You just got to give you the same thing. It was the right side. I bet on Josh Allen, so it wasn't the right side on that one. Yeah. He's no. look that offense. That offense is creative. It's good. They got a legit deep threat and digs and good he, running back and uh, singles there. He is like watching Jameis Winston, but like oh. powerful and more exciting. Like anything gonna happen on any game. I've I've said it's Mad Max Fury Road, but for the NFL. Right? That's Josh Jameis Winston, guys. Don't you think he should have just waited and not signed anywhere? I like that he's with the Saints. But think about Breeze it right now. How many teams would have been like, hey, uh, maybe we'll sign this guy for a week or two. We got COVID popping up here. We've got injuries popping up here. You know, my argument, though, and I think you and I were talking about this back back when you and I used to do a show together. Before you fired me. In March. I didn't fire you. <laughs> no, you demoted no, me. To, I've, I've got mind. no. <laughs> first of all, Alex and BK are sitting right here. Second of all, I've got no authority. They have my back. Okay. So, what were we saying? I don't know. What were we talking about? Um, how great Belichick is. He is great. Yeah, good call. What's going on today on the fast lane, man? I literally forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. Thank you. <laughs> the Saints were the right team for him. Yeah, go go to the be- go to the best boss, the best situation. Don't don't go to Jacksonville and get your rear end kicked in, or the Jets and get your rear end kicked in. Them nobody wants you. You know what I mean? So that's coming up next in the fast lane. No, it's not. We'll talk about the the thing that you guys talked about a little bit earlier today, the NL Central, kind of up for grabs if the Cardinals want it with all these changes going on with the Cubs and the Brewers. We'll talk about whether or not the Astros are good for baseball, question mark? Yes. Very good. A little bit of a villain and some Blues, some blues draft stuff for you. Jamie, you're going to want to pay attention to that. Can't wait. Football guy and baseball guy Jamie Rivers Take will certainly notes. be listening from 2 to 6. I will be listening from 2 to 6. We will be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.